Hello and welcome to Bedlam Social Hour, a D&D podcast. I am Bedlam, the aforementioned GM. Once again, we thank you for joining us as we continue creating our story. We hope you enjoy. Bedlam Social Hour contains mature content and adult language, so listener discretion is advised. Hello, I am Mark McGrath, and I am playing Frax Rome. He's a human ranger cleric and a little bit of a trickster, and that's about all you need to know right off the bat. Hello, I'm Matthew Wagner. I am playing uh, Valreal Taz Axon, a gold dragonborn. I'm a rogue class, and I'm traveling north with my buddy Brax to uh, figure out this Medlac guy and just find out why he tried to have us killed. I am Carrie Dennis. I play Tyla Lore. I am a half-elf fighter. Currently had my general, Gwendolyn, who is sharing a body with me, separated. I am trying to figure out who I am again and praying I don't fall apart. Well, I'm Percy, and I'll be playing Grom the Toothy. I'm a level 4 barbarian who has witnessed his whole clan of the bone splitters wiped out out in the wilds. And so I've found my way to the soft underbelly of the civilized lands and I'm trying to learn a new life. But I'm finding that the civilized lands have more teeth than the wilds, if you know what I mean. Hello, my name is Peyton Palmer. I'm playing Mirmalnir, the Amethyst Dragonborn. I'm a monk. I come from a underground clan of similar Dragonborn monks. I'm currently traveling with a group of people who seem interested in helping me find my stolen relic, but due to some internal conflicts, I have temporarily strayed from my path. Last session, having been compelled to remove her Lotresian blood ruby by a curse, Tylor was forced into a struggle of wills and ultimately her act resulted in an unexpected visit from a massive dog-faced demon demanding the return of his sword, which was apparently used by Gwendolith in her war campaign during the recently ended Ten Years' War. Seeing that Tylor, or Gwendolith, didn't immediately know the sword's location, the demon gave her one month to find the blade and return it. A suspicious conversation then ensued amongst the group, and after various bouts of questioning, the party decided to get some rest. Brax and Valryl took the first watch, and after a brief exchange, they decided that the wealth that had been previously placed in Latgain's quote-unquote hoard was way too much temptation to overcome, and the two put on their grave-robbing hats and liberated a majority of valuables from the hoard. As their watch continued, the two were visited by what seemed to be an apparition of one of their companions they were forced to kill on the return from their delivery of rubies to Tenby, whom the alluring eclipse had tried to eliminate any loose ends. They expressed their concern of what they saw to the others, and eventually everyone returned to sleep save Brax and Grom. The two were once more visited by all two tangible apparitions, this time an illithid harried Grom while Brax only observed a mass of writhing shadow. The illithid seemed to provoke Grom's little passenger into hurried activity, and the result was an all-too-realistic reliving of one of Grom's life-defining memories. After the experience, Brax lost a bet and Grom returned to sleep. 
As sunrise approached, Brax observed a fawn once more, this time of an orange persuasion rather than blue, digging through Latgain's grave. Brax made several inquiries to the enigmatic creature, but only learned that she was looking for specific gems that were supposedly to be found in the grave. She disappeared into the forest, and Brax opted not to follow. He repaired the grave best he could, and left well enough alone for the moment. Once properly fed and watered, the group struck camp and proceeded northward. Along the way, more questions were had concerning the nature of Tylalor's newfound personality traits, along with the speculation of the source of outwardly compulsions affecting her. They eventually arrived in Upper Dispucia and took their respite at an establishment presently known as the Courageous Bear. There, Tylalor retired early, and the group engaged in some conversation with the locals. After making acquaintances with a few of the Osperian soldiers stationed in Upper Dispucia, they learned that the large siege force they had passed as they traveled northward potentially had designs on Aconitum Falls. The night progressed, and they met a troop of gnomes that hailed from the gnomish town of Ekanaw, located in the Ruby Hills. They engaged in conversation and revelry with the affable group, and in doing so, Grom learned of one anti-Marian near Ekanaw that could possibly help with his wood blight situation. The evening continued, and it is here we will resume our story with Grom just having proposed a wager to the excitable gnome Yanoa with a necklace of lightning resistance and a clockwork squirrel as the stakes. I'm a gambling man, we're back at the table. You go first. Hey, let's see what you got. Are the fates with you? Oh. Well, that's a shame, doll. That's a 19. Oh, son of a dude. And she just begins to just curse up a storm in several languages that you're not familiar with. And the one with the clockwork hands says, I told you, your gambling will get you in trouble. Oh, it might have. I don't even know how to feed this thing. Does it have a name? She's pouting, sitting with her arms crossed. Yeah, cool. you know I, uh, I'm just wondering uh, uh, who uh, I believe some mentioned uh, some Lefroy was, was on that was going to be presented here. Is that, is that still on the table or not so much? Well, I said I would, I would probably gamble for it, but I don't, I don't have none. I thought maybe uh, y'all had some of that. Yes, we started out with the, with the gambling, and now there's necklaces and squirrels involved and whatnot. Well, we could just buy a drink together as well. I mean, if we want to do that, I'm always I'm always down for that. Can you gamble for some Lefroy? Well, yeah. Let's do it. All right. I got... What am I What am I gambling with? I got this potion. Mm. You like the potion, right? No, let's just say loser buys. Oh, that's perfect. I like that. All right. How about a little, uh, 21? Oh. If you, uh, explain the rules, I'll play. You take this little, uh, this little, this little rock here that's got ten sides. Closest one to 21 wins. One is either a one or an 11. You can stop at any time. All right. You want to go first or do you want me to? Well, I think since we, we won the last round, I'll go ahead and go first. Okay. And that way you know what you're chasing. Oh, can't go over. Okay. So I got uh, a nine and a three, so that's 12. That's 12. Do I have to roll two of the? I can just roll one? You can roll another one. What do you say, V? What do you think? Can I ask my friends for help? Absolutely. All right. So can you just roll one more die? Yeah, that's blackjack. Yeah. You know, take a hit. You know, take so. a hit. Yep. And then the one. And then we add on to the 13. Correct. The 12. Yes. Although uh, I will say that the odds uh, are way different than blackjack because you don't have all the face cards. Boy, I'd say go for it. Rex, I think you should go for it. All right, let's do it. I got a one. All right, so we're at 13 right now. 13. I'm going to go again. Yeah, go again. I'm going to go again. Go again. Well, that's a four. 
So that's 17? I would stay there. All right. Oh, are you sure? Yeah. Okay. All right. We're going to stay there. 17 right there. usually stay. The, uh, you know, who has perked up from her pouting. Says, I don't know. It's, it takes all kinds of chicken. Oh, wait. Well, I already stayed, but man, that's not very nice. <laughs> 17 it is? Yes, sir. Eight. Eight plus six. It's 14. Well, now who's the chicken? Yes. You think I'm just going to stop and buy the Lefroy? No, but I think you're scared of what you're about to roll. 17. Oh. What are you going to do? Well, well, now, I suppose, now. <laughs> the chicken question comes about. <laughs> <laughs> Clockwork hand, ex-niffs is, Yes, Ozu, what are you going to do? <laughs> oh, I know what he's going to do. He's going to buy my friend here a drink of Lefroy. <laughs> he eyeballs you. Can I pet the squirrel? As they say, fortune favors the bold. 21. Oh, damn. Damn. Well, jeez. How much is one of these bottles? You'd have to take that up with the proprietor. All right. And he looks like he just swallowed a canary. His little underbite tooth sticking out. Well, good job, I guess. Here, I'm going to hop up and go, go see what this bartender says. I'll head that way. All right. He approached the bar. Bartender says, "Can I get you?" Howdy. Uh, there's a drink called Lafroy. Is that about right? <laughs> that sounds about right. All right. It's gonna um, turn into one of those nights, huh? I guess so. I, I think we need a round for the table back there. Okay. Well, we generally sell that by the bottle. He glances over at the table and says, "Which would probably be about to get you two rounds for two round two two bottles or one bottle? No, one bottle. I'll give you two uh, rounds. Hey, for V, do we, do we do one or two? Do two bottles. All right. We're That's... gonna do. I'm gonna do uh, two bottles if I can. If two that's bottles. Right. That's, that's four fine. rounds. That's four. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. And we just get to hold on to the bottle. Maybe we don't finish it, right? But just be up. It's uh, right. you buy that bottle. It's, uh, so that's gonna come to uh, about hundred gold. Oh, uh, what we're doing at the very end of the night, though, right? Well, this uh, yeah, we can settle up on the on the other stuff. But you you kind of understand my position on something top shelf like this. Sure, sure. Uh, I gotta go talk to my buddy over there real quick. He holds sure. the money usually, sure. so okay. You see, I don't, I'm not that big, so yeah, that's what <laughs> over to V. I, but um, he said it's a hundred gold for this for these two bottles of whatever. I gotta pay it to him now. But um, can, can you? Did we, where'd you put that? Where'd you put that gold at? <laughs> Is your problem with the Lafrak? It's oh, in this. No, 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 no problems. I was. Uh, I just gotta get to my wallet. You know, it's in the saddlebags on the horses. You didn't put them up in the rooms? Oh, wait, no. We came in here first, right? We came in here first, yeah. We did. All right. Well, uh, I'll, I'll be right back, guys. I'll be right back. You sure, you sure everything's okay? Yeah, everything's everything's perfectly fine. <laughs> Good dining dash. <laughs> I guess I'll go outside and start looking for the stables. Or as he looks to the rest of you, he's like, seem a little skittish. Well, I would be too if I realized I left all the money with the horses. <laughs> yeah, that seems like uh, it's, a, it's not very, very good foresight. That's, really... That's stupid. We leave our money on your horse. Yeah, some people lose pay. Don't pay attention. <laughs> Head out. It's not hard to find the stables. So you just bust in. Well, yeah. If you, not like kick down the door, but just walk in. <laughs> there's, a, there's a stable hand doing what stable hands do. The same guy that we uh, presumably gave the horses off to? Yeah, sure. All right. 
Well, hey there, oh, buddy. Oh, hey, hey. Hey, um, I was wondering, where'd you put our saddles at? Oh, it's uh, in, in over there, and he points to kind of the stall the horses are in. The saddles have been taken off, and the sad- they're, they just are kind of like resting on a stand next to each stall. Okay, can I rectoactively go back to the table and ask V if he'll come with me? Because it's heavy. I don't want to carry all that bull. <laughs> or am I just out there? I just got up with him. Sure. <laughs> Thanks for coming with me, V. <laughs> You're welcome, Brax. All right. Um, so he pointed out the saddles. We'll go ahead and go over there. Hey, thank you, thank you, and um, check and make sure it's it's in there. You know, you don't need an investigation role to say that they've. It's a upstanding establishment. He's not going to dig through your stuff. Well, uh, all right. So take out a hundred pieces, and how much is left in there? Would have been about a hundred and twenty-four gold. We got twenty-four left. Oh, well, maybe at the end of the night. So it's just here. Uh, you carry all this for me, please. It's heavy, man. Yeah, I'll g- I get that for you. I'll carry it. You know, so really, it's not that big of a deal okay. to carry a hundred pennies. Sure. No, I'm tired. I'll let V do it. Sorry. Yeah, and it blends in real well <coughs> with me. I can't see it. So, so thank you to the uh, the stable hand there and head back inside if we will. Enjoy your evening. You too. Get back inside. Head up to the bar with V over there. Hand him 100 gold pieces. I'm going to slowly count them out because it's 100. One. Yeah, not quite like that. Two. But yeah, give him the 100 and... Yeah, he stacks it up like a dealer stacking poker chips and looks at it and swipes it into his behind the bar and hands two bottles, two pretty fancy looking good uh, glasswork. is pretty impressive. All right, well, I'll take one, I'll take them both, and we'll see them back to the table. I hope this is worth it, Brax. Me too, man. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know we were gambling that much. I don't think, do you think that potion's worth that much? I don't think so, but we're going to find out. Here's little Freud. There it is. Oh, shoot. Uh, I imagine we got glasses, so we'll, we'll put down. Yeah, pour everybody a drink. Well, I did never expect to actually get to taste this. Well, thank you, Brax. Yeah, sorry about all the running around there. What were you guys just talking about? You were the one, you were the one talking about Lafroy. You haven't even tasted it? Oh, no, of course not. Never spent that much on a bottle. <laughs> I've never had that much. At that moment, uh, before you resume what you're talking about, uh, we're going to cut to Tyler Lore for a moment. And Tyler Lore, uh, having retired early, as you lay down in your mind races, as you struggle to fall asleep, Trying to make sense of these latest developments and new perspectives, part of you misses Gwendolyth. Now that the ruby has been removed, you feel like part of you is missing. It's left you feeling unwhole. As you ponder your situation and reflect back on Gwendolyth and your time during the war, you eventually drift off into a light slumber, which brings you a dream. And whether it's the lingering closeness of the now-removed Gwen, or just a memory you experienced when you bore the ruby, the dream is dichotomous once more. With a deep breath of resolve, you spur yourself into action. The flimsy door blasts off its hinges under the force of your kick. You enter quickly, trying to seize the element of surprise. The sudden shift from broad daylight to the dim light of the hovel's interior causes a brief moment of blind disorientation. There is a split second that your brain reminds you of some random fact about eye patches and their intended usage before your breath is blasted from your lungs and you find yourself on your back looking up at one of the biggest orcs you've ever seen. He's huge. Is he ducking? You're not even sure what he hit you with. The behemoth reaches down and easily wraps his massive hand around your head. You feel an exquisite pain as his grasp begins to crush your skull. Then he begins to lift you up off of the floor. You swing your sword at his arm, trying to extricate yourself, only to find that your blade has fallen after your initial clash. Your fist lands solidly but ineffectually on his meaty forearm. Lifting you like a rag doll, he lets out a primal roar, followed up by, Let us be. This place means nothing to you. 
and he punctuates his declaration with a shake that leaves you seeing colors you didn't know existed. You hear a loud crack, and you're fairly sure that your skull has finally succumbed to the pressure when you feel your equilibrium shift. The both of you are falling, and then you hear the sound of a melon hitting hard surface. The excruciating pressure on your head subsides, and you sprawl onto the floor. Confused, you bolt upright, assessing your immediate threats. The facts that register are a broken floorboard, an iron stove, and a giant of an orc bridging the gap between the two. The increasingly growing pool of blood helps you understand why your aggressor is quick moving. You kick him tentatively just to be sure, and you're rewarded with a deep groan. Startled by the sound, you leap on him, pulling a dagger from your belt and plunge it into his eye socket, not too far from the significant gash in the iron stove incurred during his fall. With a grunt and a gurgle, you are convinced the threat is neutralized, and you roll off back onto the floor. The moment you relax, all of the unregistered emotions flood into you as the adrenaline subsides. The blood continues to pool, but doesn't concern you as it does. The porous wood absorbing the viscous liquid, the majority of it running through the cracks and holes in the floorboards. You take a deep breath. You can taste the copper in the air, and it nauseates you. It always has, but that's something that you will always deny. You close your eyes, attempting to will the rising bile in your throat to recede when you hear the briefest of sobs, followed by a hushing noise. Your stomach sinks, even before your brain registers the source. You instinctually know there's a mother and child hidden below the floorboards. Your breath catches as you imagine a terrified child struggling to stay quiet as they feel their father's blood run over them. The sudden punch of emotion takes the breath from you and you hurriedly rush out of the increasingly copper-scented hovel into the fresh air of the bright daylight. Again, the light accosts you as you exit, momentarily blinding you, and that random eye patch fact flits through your thoughts once more. The once intense sounds of combat have mitigated somewhat, and as you take in several deep lungfuls of air trying to purge yourself of the emotional, nauseating reality of the situation, the heat doesn't help, nor does the incessant drone of the cicadas. It might be a trick of your mind, but the insect noise intensifies, and you are overcome. You retch violently, upchucking the standard biscuits and mystery meat gravy breakfast that you've had every morning since the beginning of your campaign. Tylalor? The voice startles you out of trying to spit the residual nasty taste from your mouth, and you turn abruptly to see Gwendolith perched atop her warhorse. Her platinum blonde hair gleams in response to the aggressive Lotresian sun. She is flanked on either side by her lieutenants, Jairus and Nonek, the sycophantic, weaselly piece of pig shit. Her commanding presence always gives you pause and her unrivaled beauty never ceases to take your breath. Like every time previous, you stand and stare, dumbfounded. Briefly, you have a fleeting hope that you don't have any vomit on your chin, and you quickly pass a hand over the suspect area before you respond. General, are you alright? Yes, ma'am. I just had a bit of an unexpected dust-up. Nothing I can't handle, though. She begins to dismount, and your heart leaps at the thought of further interaction with her. You stand up straighter as she approaches deliberately on foot. Are you sure? You're bleeding from your ears. We can get a healer. As she closes the distance, she reaches out and touches your face, gently turning your head to better assess the apparent blood flow. At her touch, it's as if lightning arcs through you, striking at her contact and grounding deep within your loins. As you catch your breath, you reach a hand to feel for the now drying blood on the side of your head. You intentionally and inadvertently touch her hand as you investigate the aforementioned blood, and your heart rate quickens when she doesn't remove her hand from your face. You muster whatever hubris you can find and say, I really am okay. He just surprised me. Her utilitarian, head-moving touch shifts slightly to an almost affectionate cupping of your cheek. The shift increases the contact of your hands as well, and she smiles warmly, not breaking contact. You find that you have to restrain yourself from inappropriate action. She regards you momentarily with that heavenly smile before she says, 
That's my warrior. You return her beautiful smile and take a breath to speak when her warm gaze suddenly changes to one of suspicion. You didn't hear a peep, but you're sure her response is because of the hidden orcs, no doubt furiously trying to remain undetected. She looks back to you. Apparently you weren't as thorough as you thought. Her hand drops away and you hide your disappointment. Now I know we generally prefer to keep these pigs alive when it's time, but the ritual won't be for a few hours. It seems that a sizable drift has mustered a pathetic excuse for a counteroffensive on the east side of the village, and we need a moment to quell the sootskins anyway. I need you to go back in there and snuff out that whimpering coward and her snot-nosed piglet. She reaches back to you, placing her hand firmly on your bicep. Her disgust subsides. She reaches to you once more, gently touching your face. She looks into your eyes affectionately and gives you a mischievous smile. Her gaze locks onto yours. And do be quick. I want my favorite captain at the Southeast Palisade. I need someone I can trust to get the job done. And she punctuates the statement with a wink. Now if we can get this over and done with in a timely fashion, perhaps we'll have some time to celebrate. Tonight. And as she ends her statement, she lowers her hands from your face, trailing her fingers down the front of you provocatively as her arm lowers. Your breath catches and you manage to squeak out a flustered... Yes, ma'am. That's my girl. I'll see you at the Palisade. Another wink. She gestures with her head to her lieutenants and then moves past you. As she passes, she shoots you a mischievous grin, and you feel her hand grasp your ass cheek, giving a strong but playful squeeze. Your mind explodes with a myriad of thoughts and emotions. You think you may have physically swooned for a moment. Your directive is clear. You draw your sword and determinately enter the oval. You will not disappoint her. And your perspective shifts. You ride easily through the village, talking and joking with Jerris and Nonek. A small faction had rallied and attempted to fight back on the eastern side, but you had the situation well in hand. It would take a moment, but it would end in the inevitable way. You were just about to comment to your lover, Nonek, about how nice the day is when you distinctively hear someone richer. Ugh. What disgusting derelict can't keep their shit together? That better not be one of yours. You get closer and you see that it is indeed one of yours. You sigh audibly. As you approach the pathetic display, you realize the incapable wretch kneeling on the ground ahead of you is Tylalor, the irrationally sycophantic soldier that has recently upped her efforts to ingratiate herself to you. Tylalor? She spins and stands abruptly, quickly wiping away some vomit that had clung to her chin. Disgusting. General! The doe-eyed way she looks at you reaffirms your belief that she would willingly walk into the deepest of hells if it offered the remotest potential of getting into your pants. Your instinct is to berate her public display of weakness, but you catch yourself. After all, there's no sense wasting an opportunity to increase your compulsion over this one. Are you alright? Yes, ma'am. I just had a bit of an unexpected dust-up. Nothing I can't handle, though. (laughs) Yeah, right. You dismount and approach her. Are you sure? You're bleeding from your ears. We can get a healer. You give Nonek a quick glance as if to say, watch this, and move to Tylalor, placing your hand on her face. You move her head to inspect her injury. To her credit, she did get hit hard. You increase the gentleness of your touch slightly to express more than just utilitarian concern, and you feel a palpable quiver from her when you do so. Tylalor reaches up to your hand, pretending her touch was meant for her head. I really am okay. He just surprised me. This is easier than you thought. You cup her cheek and give her your trademark caring smile number three and say, That's my warrior. Then you hear the faintest of sounds from inside the hovel. Was she joking? Could she really be this short-sighted? 
The last thing anyone needed was some bullheaded green-skinned piglet growing up with an overzealous notion of revenge, causing problems because one of her bumbling grunts stumbled into killing his poor da. You look angrily to the house and then back to Tylor. You try not to grit your teeth. Apparently you weren't as thorough as you thought. Wow. It's a good thing she is aggressively infatuated. Hopefully that loyalty will outweigh the weakness. You consciously soften your demeanor. Now I know we generally prefer to keep these pigs alive when it's time, but the ritual won't be for a few hours. It seems that a sizable drift has mustered a pathetic excuse for a counteroffensive on the east side of the village, and we need a moment to quell the sootskins anyway. Anyhow, I need you to go back in there and snuff out that whimpering coward and her snot-nosed piglet. You take the brief moment that Tyler is looking back at the hovel to turn and catch Nonek's eye once more, shooting him a wink. He's sitting on his large roan, his face sporting his usual amused smirk. Time to pour it on thick. You reach out and touch her arm. And do be quick. I want my favorite captain at the Southeast Palisade. I need someone I can trust to get the job done. You give her a sly wink and watch her mouth actually drop open. You reach up, caressing her face once more, mostly to close her slack maw. Now, if we can get this over and done with in a timely fashion, perhaps we'll have some time to celebrate. Tonight. You run your fingers down her body in a sufficiently provocative manner. Oh, God, she can barely talk. How the hell can she fight? Yes, ma'am. That's my girl. I'll see you at the Palisade. Another wink. And now for the coup de grace. As you move to leave, you catch Nonex's onlooking gaze and reach down and give Tyler's ass a flirtatious squeeze. Hmm, not bad. Under the right circumstances, she might end up being a fun plaything for one of those special evenings when Nonex's darker tastes get the better of him. Nonex smiles and shakes his head as you approach. Why do you waste your time with things like that? Well, utility can be quite useful in Zealots. She's a specific tool. Generally worthless, but essential when the right application presents. And after that dream, you awake, feeling several different emotions. Do you try to go back to sleep? I think I'm going to ponder the dream for a bit. We will leave you to ponder for a moment and return back downstairs. I have to admit, I didn't think you'd actually come through with this Freud. Well, a deal was a deal, though, right? Man of his word, I liked it. Hey, you don't see that? You don't see that very often. I drag a chair over to the table and sit down. Slap my hands together and rub them excitedly. I'm drinking the frog with a squirrel with a bunch of gnomes. Well, I wouldn't have guessed my day was going to turn out like this. And the one with the clockwork hand raises a glass and says, Well, here's to new acquaintances. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Lift up my glass. Lift up my glass as well. Cheers. Cheers. Murray, are you partaking? No, I'm just going to sit out. More for me. I'll just pass my glasses to Grom. After I give a small clink, back to the bear! <laughs> Boy, it's stronger than I would have thought. <laughs> you uh, not drinking your big fella? No. Teetotaler, huh? It's the second time I've heard that, and I still don't know what it means. <laughs> uh, means you don't drink. Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. Yes, well, eat your own. The one with the goggles says... Looking at her glass, I don't know why you'd want to forego the niceties, the nice things in life. Take the sip. It is pretty smooth. So, where'd y'all say you were going? 
And we're going down to uh, Echinitum Falls. Just to sell wares, or what were you going down there for? I'm sorry. Pretty much. Looks like we'll be sans a, a little bit of uh, inventory. The squirrel has crawled up on your shoulder now, Grom. And... Uh, I, I reach over and, and grab the one that Murray didn't take. And I tip that one back. And I say, for let gain. And I slam it down the table. You might not be leaving without your squirrel. The night is young. Yes, well, I guess we'll see how that goes. So, yeah, uh, you gonna go see Auntie Marion? Uh, you should probably go uh, have that checked out. Oh, I certainly will be. That'll be my first stop. Reaches out and kind of pokes your forearm. Just to... Oh, yeah, that's, that's not good, man. Well, somebody's gotta die of something. Any of you have any magic that'll whisk it away? I'm gonna feed that. No, not me. <sighs> no, unfortunately. Do you guys know much about magic? They kind of look around at each other and... A little. Mayhaps you might know anything about a curse, or how to get rid of one. Sounds serious. Yeah, it seems to be. I mentioned, we all mentioned Auntie Mary, and she's probably going to help you with your curse. Ha! <laughs> well, this will be one of many, my friend. Oh, you need uh, more than one curse going on here? Why, I feel like it. I feel like there's been some form of darkness chasing me, making me see things. And now my bloody wife, she... I don't know. I think... Think some kind of weapon's got control of her. It sounds crazy, I know. A, a, a weapon has control of her? Yeah, I think it's a stupid dagger. She can't seem to part from it at all. And anything you tell her to do, she just does. And then she's mad about it later. And you have a problem with it? <laughs> well, yeah. It's what anybody tells her to do. Oh, yeah, I suppose that would not be good. Yeah, and frankly, I don't know what to do about it. I've been thinking about stealing it. This Lafroig is making it sound like a better idea. Yes, it does hit hard. I will say, Auntie Marion does know a lot of things about a lot of things. Well, you're pretty good friends with this, Aunt Marion. I don't know if you could say friends. She helps the whole village out. Does she owe you any favors? They all kind of get like momentarily introspective, and uh, the one with the goggles, the wistful ones, is, uh, no... I think the favors she deals in tend to go her direction. Aye. She does like a favor. It's very fair, though. It's nothing uh, nothing untoward. Just a form of commerce and carry if you want to do anything besides uh, ponder and sleep. Feel free to jump in at any time. I'm not really sure what I could participate in right now. I think I'm probably going to try and roll over and go back to sleep at this point. So, uh, wisdom... Can you wisdom save to fall asleep? It's usually to stay awake. Oh, well, that would be a three. Okay, yeah, that dream's got you uh, got you spinning up up in your head. It's uh, You're going to stare at the ceiling for a little while. Okay, well, if I can't fall asleep, I'll get up and come down and see if I can get a drink. Maybe that'll help. Probably go sit at the bar. I'm still feeling kind of put out by what's happened between me and the rest of the party at the moment. Everybody roll perception. Twelve. I'd say normally a 21, but I've been drinking. Yeah, 19. 15. I'd say uh, Murray, maybe back's turn, but you follow. Everybody shoots their gaze over across the room, and so, yeah, you're all aware of Tyler comes down the bottom of the stairs, and looks around, and then makes her way over and plops down at the bar. Well, there she is right there, his wife. That's that's the one right over there, right over there. She's looking like she's doing what she's told, huh? <laughs> well, for the most part, she does what she wants. Bartender says, you drinking, miss? Yeah, I'll have a drink, please. Pours you an ale and sits in front of you. That works. Thank you. Yep. One silver when you get a chance. And pass it over. Uh, I'll pass two silver over. Oh, much appreciated. I let out a sharp whistle. 
Hey, over here, love. And I drag a chair over for her. Um. If I see her wavering on it, I'll be like, come here. I grab my drink and I'll go sit down. We'll show you it's a problem. Tyler promptly comes there. I'll just kind of nod and sit down and start my drink. Hey, we were just talking about you, love. Your ears must have been burning. Mm, couldn't sleep. Why so? Some dreams about my past with Gwendolyth. Anything useful? I don't know yet. Was that damned sword in it? No. So we were just talking about that dagger of yours. I think you might be cursed, love. Wouldn't know anything about that. Cluck like a chicken. <laughs> Are you shitting me? You don't know anything about what? You gotta be pulling my leg. She must love him. The fuck? I think maybe you can admit that something's wrong. Can we stop with this, please? I love. But I think we've got a, a stop to make. We're gonna go visit Auntie Marion. Bark like a dog. Shit. Apologies. Apologies. Please don't, please don't hurt me. I realize that could be construed as rude. I just didn't believe you pull a metal squirrel off my shoulder <laughs> if you haven't noticed it and set it down in front of you. It kind Fuck of is that? scrambles to go back up your arm so it's a minute of kind of bumbling it but you get it back on the table. I won this at some dice. I have to admit I uh, haven't figured out how to control it yet so good luck with that. Hi. Need to spend a little bit of time with it to uh, uh, make it yours uh, mechanically. It's attunement. Do you want a squirrel, love? I don't think I want a squirrel. Hmm. <laughs> I could not want a squirrel. Look at it. Look at See the gears and see the... I mean... Thing. And the squirrel turns to you and sits up and its tail is... <laughs> okay, I'm just going to sip my drink. I just woke up from a terrible dream and I came downstairs and I'm... <laughs> well, shoot. It's a lot to take in. I was pretty sure she was going to love that. Yeah, I thought she was too. Oh, here, by the way, you want to you wanna try some of this? And I'll pour a glass of that. Thanks. How are we drinking something so pricey? Well, I lost a bet, so, you know, it is what it is, I guess. The gambling. It's bound to get you in trouble at this rate. I get you every time. Not always. Look, this guy got a squirrel. Luck's just on his side. Leaning across, and I'm going to tap Murray on the side of his big old shoulder. (laughs) Hey, Murray. Yes? Do you think Nermo would like a squirrel? Oh. You know, I'm not sure. She might. Well, uh, I'll pick it up off the table, and I'm going to go and set it on Murray's gigantic shoulder. I'll reach up to do that. Well, you're in charge of Nerma's squirrel, it looks like. First the horse, and now a metal squirrel. You may be the worst druid I've ever met. What's a druid? A doodad. Wow. Deep pull from Salvatore. <laughs> this green beard. So, where are you headed? Well, it looks like we're going to visit uh, Auntie Marion. Deviation from your past? <laughs> I a little bit. Who is this Auntie Marion? Oh, she's the person that might make me uh, not go insane. Oh, okay. Sounds yeah. like she knows of some magics. Let's go great. see her. He's super helpful. Help me once when I... Yeah, never mind. Maybe she can help with that, uh, with your problems as well. You got that, that dagger thing, right? Maybe she can help you with that. 
I will definitely have a chat about it. I think it's a good place to start. And then we've got to carve the skin off of a grimy bastard named Medlack. There is always that. Medlack. Medlack. Do I know a Medlack? Do you know a Medlack? I don't know a Medlack. I don't think I know a Medlack. Did you say you know a Medlack? I said I don't know a Medlack. At this point, uh, also, Grom, would you give me a uh, perception? 18. Between the smells of tea tree oil that has come into your life since you've made your new friends, uh, you almost get an occasional little punch of a, a decay smell. Just something's not quite right. I am going to look around and see if I can kind of pinpoint. And that actually, you kind of noticed it now, but it actually started when you came closer to the table and sat down to uh, partake in the Lefroig. I'm going to visibly sniff around me. Does anybody else smell this? You smell something? I have like a decaying smell. Can I make out where it's coming from? Not immediately. I don't smell anything. I don't smell anything. Yeah, I got nothing. Hey, Brax, you look like you got a good snuffer. Well, I guess I will, uh... I don't, I don't smell nothing either, really. Maybe a little bit of cinnamon now? Yeah, I'm starting to smell cinnamon, actually. Yeah, I oh, am smelling well, cinnamon. That, that's me. Oh, I thought it was me. <laughs> I'm going to smell myself. Uh, let's have a perception. Am I noticing it from my wood blight? 16. You don't think it's you, but you also know that sometimes you go nose blind to yourself, too. Anyway, uh, no, I don't think... Medlack doesn't ring any bells. Well, he's on the list. We get to kill Medlack. He's obviously not in Ekanara. Well, I don't really. I believe he's in the Ruby Hills, but I'm not sure where exactly. There's that dragon, too. You hear any, anything about a dragon up that way? Uh, a blue dragon. A blue dragon. Yeah, um. Start with an R, I think. Yeah, blue eating asshole. We just know what we've read. Yeah, my uh, great grandfather used to tell us about an old dragon there up in the Crimson Peaks. Just stories, really. Talk of a blue dragon named Ringu something or other. Get all pissed off if you. If you uh, mispronounce his name, but uh, it's just really stories to to tell the little ones. I went out, went out looking for the dragon, the dragon slayer once. Uh, I didn't find it. Mm. How far did you go? How long did you look for it? it uh, not very long. Oh, okay. It, it got to be about lunchtime, and then we got hungry, so we came home. That sounds about right. That's that's pretty good. We're gonna go again. I was packing a lunch, but uh, so just never really got around to it. Well, I'm not sure we'll have long enough to find that. But I do have plans on killing a demon for about a month, I think. You get a lot of things on your plate. <laughs> I will see which ones I make it to. He's gonna go kill a dragon and then find a dragon's lair and kill a demon. Hey, the frog's starting to hit you, huh? <laughs> well, you know, I like you, I'm little. And with that, you know, uh, the excitable one has a glass with like four fingers worth of it and just. Wait a second, how'd you get that much? That doesn't make any... Wait, where'd that bottle go? <laughs> right, we're all sharing here. I got the first round. We got to gamble for a second round. The big guy's not drinking. We still got a half a bottle left. Okay, down. all right. Well, I think you just... Did you just wager a... Yeah, I'll wait that. I guess the second half. But hey, I'm going to let V take this one because I clearly am not rolling. Very, I'm, I'm just not doing good tonight. So it's up to you, V. If you want to do it, then you do it. Are we going again? Are we getting in that bottle? Not the not the full bottle, the half bottle, the second round. Oh, just second, right? We're going. Oh, get him, Goldie! Oh, I see what you did there. No little bait and switch. He's in my throat. Who's gonna pay for the second one? I get you. I see it. I see it. Excellent. You should do this one. 
What are, what are you guys putting up there? What are y'all putting up there? Oh, this turns less friendly. Well, is there some other fancy drink that you could y'all could buy? Would you like to be reimbursed for the second bottle? I would really. I really would. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's gamble for the second bottle. Then. Oh, that's up to V. He's the one that made that choice to get the second bottle. That was before I knew how much they were. My mistake. Sorry. Shall we do twenty-one again? Yeah, we can do twenty-one again. I'll let you choose, first or second. If he wins, we'll give him. How much was it? It was a hundred. It was hundred bottles. Two, two bottles. So I think it was a hundred and fifty, actually. Well, we gotta put the tip in, though, yeah, right? The tip. Yeah. You need the tip. So indeed, persuasion. <laughs> was two seventeen, eighteen. How much did you tip? Oh, fifty gold at least. Always go fifty percent, right? Very generous of you. Tell you what, you win. We'll pay for the second round. You lose. That sounds great. We like happy bartenders. Same. First or second? I'll go second. Hey, hey Brax, did you go first or second? I went last? first, yeah. Go first? We'll, we'll go second, if that's all right with you. Five. Twelve. Twenty-one. Damn it. Eight. Sixteen. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, bust. All right, all right. Oh, damn. I'll start pouring them all out again. <laughs> I'll make sure I hold mine out. Uh, let's have a constitution saving throw. Um, I'm not trying to remain sober. <laughs> we will willingly fail this. That would be a nine. All right, yes, you are starting to feel it. I think it's what? Uh, it's an advantage on fear saves and a bonus to charisma things. Charisma bonus. Any dexterity goes down. Yeah. You know... It makes sense that you guys were friends of Kebler. You guys are all right. Kebler's great. They knew Kebler? Yeah, we know Kebler. Hey, they're all friends. Wow. I mean, Yekina's not really a bit uh, big a town. We were sad he left our party. Yeah, how's he, how, how is he doing? I guess we haven't seen him in a while. Boy, I think he's been having some uh, interest in digging into his lineage, I believe. Mm-hmm. He was only with us for a day or two. Mm-hmm. Boy, was it that short. <laughs> but he really made an impression. Yeah, well, I hope he turns up again. Uh, he might if we go picking on his dad. <laughs> yeah, his dad's there. I don't know. Did he say anything when he left you guys? I did say his name again. Oh, the dragon. No, I meant, is he is he still off looking for his mother, or did he abandon that? No, I believe he's still looking. He found a new friend to do it with as well. He did? Oh, this really prickly woman named Sifian. Sifian. They scared me out of my skin most of the time. The kind, the person that talks like a drunk person walks. Every which way but where you want to go. Sounds intriguing. You know, I've been thinking about this whole business with this sword. As I'm drunk pondering to myself. If the last person you dealt with was this Medlac fella. Before you ended up in dealing with your little stone love. Well, it makes sense that if he's the one that put Gwendolyn in the stone. And he's probably got the sword. That would make sense. Well, I say when we kill him, we take that sword and we use it to kill that damnable demon. It's an interesting idea. Of course, I think there's a whole ritual or something she had to use. Oh, I've used plenty of swords. You take the pointy end and you put it in the soft belly. Touche. You know, you guys certainly came in at a, at a time in our lives with a lot of shit. But I think everybody ends up someplace for a reason. I think there's a reason we found you out in the woods, or you found us. I tip up 
my glass and hold it out for another shot of Lafroy. Well, do I have any? Wait, wait, one second here. One second. Can we open one bottle or both bottles right now? You're on the second. We're on the second. Damn. All right, I'll pour it. I got you then. And here's to adventure. I'll raise it up That's again. What I'm, yeah, adventure. That's what I'm talking about right there. Clink, clink, clink. Adventure. Adventure. Adventure the bear! And I tip it back. And slam it down on the table. See uh, Exniff and uh, the uh, wistful one with the goggles talking close for a minute. And they both stand and they say, It was a pleasure, but if you excuse us. <laughs> I, and I slide my chair back. I shall we crash out, love? Sure. So uh, the two get up and make their, uh, make their way to seemingly retire for the evening. But the other three are... I'm getting out to make my way up to the rooms. You know, I was kind of standing in her chair next to Murray, up against the squirrel, kind of interacting with the squirrel just a little bit. She's obviously the, the alcohol is it's apparent. She's a little, little sad that uh, that bet didn't go her way. As I'm walking by, if I notice that, I'm just going to shout, Murray, it's yours to do what you want with. Who did you, who did you say you are going to give this to? Oh, there's a, there's a child back in Akinitum Falls that I think would take great joy to have in one of these. In Akinitum Falls, you say? Aye. Uh, would you, would you, I mean, you're not, you're not going that way. Uh, I'm going that way. I could take it to her. Not so sure about that one. Suit yourself. What are you, uh, what are you supposed to feed that thing? Oh, it, uh, uh doesn't eat, uh, but it does need rest from time to time. So what can it do? Oh, what can, uh, what can squirrels do? I'm not even sure I fully know what a squirrel is. It's a, it's a lot like that, except, uh, it's made of flesh and fur. It'll play with your knots. Somebody had to say it. Well, I... I know what a squirrel, I know what one looks like. I've seen them, but what do they do? I don't know. What do, what do we do? Try, try to live, try to exist. So this thing is just going to try to exist? Well, I think so. Magic that was imbued in it, it's a, it's a, there's a way to live, as is in all of us. I mean, I think, the look on your face says, Dude, are you, you're not having suicidal thoughts, are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, no, nothing like that. I've long pause before your response. Nope. All my life I've grown up, been taught that our goal in life is to die protecting that which we care about. And if you reach that, then you've lived a good life. Well, as long as you don't run out and looking to die protecting stuff. Can't say I'm going to run out and try and die protecting this squirrel, but... Sounds like uh, your uh, little arm is pretty special. Oh. <sighs> uh, you sure you don't want me to take it to her? No, I'm sure. I mean, she is good for it. I could see where that would look kind of suspicious. But, shoot yourself. I don't know. This thing's kind of interesting. Yeah, well, I hope it brings you as much joy as it brought me. I think, uh... I think, uh, I think I'm going to retire as well. It's a pleasure. Safe travels to you. Yes, it's very nice to meet you. To you as well. She hops down off the chair and... And at that, I'm going to stand up and, you know, do the whole been sitting for a long time, stand and stretch and crack my back, and I'll be heading up to the rooms as well. Fair enough. Thanks for hanging out. Sorry I didn't uh, get any uh, fruit. Ah, that's fine. Hey, good night, dude. Night. So what about you two? You getting another bottle? Still got some dice. You're paying it for it, we'll drink another bottle. Oh, you tapped out, huh? Yeah, I can't get another one of those. Or if we meet again, you guys buy the next round. That's not how bets work. Sometimes they do. I, we can make up new rules. We don't gotta. Sure, I mean, we can gamble again. It's fine. I got. I still got that potion. I, I just don't know what I'm gonna do with it. Yeah, it's fine. 
but I think I'm gonna get a bottle of something uh, cheaper if you guys are uh, wanting to hang out uh, you can hang out we won't make you roll dice this year what do you say what do you say V uh, I think I'm getting pretty tired I think it's time to retire for the night alright let's do it then I, I mean it was very nice to meet you but I I gotta get some sleep yeah, I'm, I'm like falling asleep right now as we talk. <laughs> Everybody retires to their rooms. As we're getting into the room, well, love, I think I know what's going on. And I'm sorry I put you to all that, but I think you're cursed. And I know you probably don't believe me right now. But don't worry, we're going to look into it. I forgive you. <laughs> if you're not cursed, then I got to take a better look at that knife because it must be something special. Can we please just... Stop with the knife. Good night, love. Good night. Hey, I'm sorry, V. I did not mean to lose all that money that we just got. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't even know what I was getting myself into. Well, I guess uh, it was good. It was spent for a good cause. Yeah, I guess so. We got those shiny gems still, so that's nice. But man, I'm so sorry about that. Yeah, no, it's it happens. We'll just say there was an, another two gold on top of the initial everything. Well, thank you, sir. And uh, what room was ours again? Two eleven. Two eleven. Perfect. Thank you. Go up and open up two eleven. Kind of peek in. Make sure it's not these two, the mirror couple, you're fighting. We're going to ca- try and catch either Valrill or Brax and ask him, am I crashing in your guys' room or do I go with Tylor and Grom? I think the layout was there was almost like a suite set up. So there's like a bedroom and then another room that has a door uh, with some couches and stuff. I think that both those rooms were the same setup. Yeah, you can definitely crash with us. Yeah, they're probably fighting all night. You don't want to hear him fight about that dagger, do you? Come on and crash with us. All right, so I guess I'm walking in, and I'm going to take the squirrel and set it on a table, and then just find a piece of floor to lay on and crash out. There's a there's a bed over there. You can probably sleep on that or that couch. Thank you, but I prefer sleeping on a solid surface. All right, V, your pick. Where are you going to sleep? I think you've been up the longest. You can get the bed off. Try to lay on this couch. I was walking that way as I said that. I'm going to hop in the bed and then just kind of like, just tell us about this cave and just kind of try to fall asleep and see if I can get him to talk, yeah. You're out like a light because of the exhaustion. About the cave. (laughs) (laughs) He's out. He don't care about the cave. All right. That's fine. Do you? I pretty much grew up in a cave too, so probably not. We like our rocks. (laughs) Morning arrives. Marie, you wake up, you look around. That squirrel has been a bit busy in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. It's done some damage to the room. Oh, no. Nothing too terribly major, but uh, it was not quiet during the night. <sighs> yes, you awake to a, well, as trashed as a squirrel can trash a room. I would say that's quite a bit. There's little bolts and stuff as poop. Look at these cool little metal nuggets. Murray, what did your squirrel do to our room? I'm just staring at the damage, and you just hear me say, Samatai. I I think we should just get out of here quick before anybody sees this room. Like, I grab my stuff and start heading out. Murray, you're on your own if you stay here, man. I I don't know what to tell you. We're we're out of here. I'm grabbing the the squirrel (laughs) and walking out. (sighs) 
it uh, scampers up your arm and takes its spot on your shoulder. I'm walking out. Just gonna close the door like nothing happened. Wow. <laughs> Knock on the door, at least y'all's door, and see if you're up already. Hi. Hey, we're up. Hey, we got we got a little bit of a situation. We might need to get out of here pretty quick. Grab my axe. And head no, it's to the nothing, door. nothing quite like that. That that damn squirrel tore up, tore up our room. Well, that's Murray's squirrel. I <laughs> <laughs> tuck it back in my belt. Tuck my axe away. Hey, you ready to roll out, love? Yeah. Should we get some uh, food for the go then? That sounds good to me. All right, I'll go out and get the horse. Next time, take care of your damn squirrel. I'm going to follow you for the horses as well. She said all the squirrel wanted to do was to live, not to trash the room. Living like a rock star. (laughs) (laughs) There's uh, really no problem uh, securing the horses. Takes a minute to get them all uh, secured with saddles and wagons and whatnot. I'm going to ask around for some general ideas of what what we should be expecting on the road up to Econaut. That's too persuasion. Well, I'm not very persuasive. <laughs> yeah, you gather that the road continues north. Oh, where is that map that you have? Um, so, yeah, as you continue northward, there's going to be a, a moment, a time, where the mountains to the west will taper off, and that's you're going to look for the road. It's more of a dirt wagon ruts type of road, and then an Osperian-maintained road. The road proper will continue north up to Needlevein, but there's going to be a moment where you need to... Uh, deviate to the west to kind of skirt the mountains there and then double back to the south to get to Econor. All right, I think I've got a pretty good idea of layout of the land up to the north here. Hopefully I can find this haunting Marion before you have to start pruning me. Oh yeah, let's have a... 21. 21, yep. You don't seem any worse. And I'll be riding in the back, shading my eyes from the sun. All right, we got Braxton Valrail on their horses. I'm assuming... Standard marching order. Murray's driving. Tyler, are you in the coach proper, or are you up sitting with Miramonia? I'm sitting up with Murray. Well, say, Murray, uh, I fell asleep last night, but you were talking about your cave. Can you give me a rundown on that again? How, what's that look like? Um, I guess I don't really have a reference for how it'd be different from other caves, but it was home. It had several underground rivers. Uh, quite a sprawling network a couple hot springs in there mainly got our food from the underground rivers various fish wildlife and aquatic plants there were these large deposits of amethyst some of them gave off light so it wasn't dark it was actually decently lit there were a few sections of the cave that were forbidden mainly due to being unsafe or very rickety, I guess you could say. We had a small temple and not really much else to tell about it. Wow, that's pretty interesting. You didn't have a temple in y'all's cave, did you? No, we didn't have a temple. Well, we kind of lived half in a cave and then some ancient ruins on the outside of it. And made our time between both, you know, when we wanted some sunlight, we'd go out and bask on the rocks out there on the ruins and then hide back in the cave. You would have had some shrines, the ones that are dedicated to your uh, Eden Effort. Eden Effort. So we didn't have no temple, just some shrines. Like those little statue things? That yeah, you, those okay. little statues that you probably seen. Yeah, I remember those. Well, that's crazy. Well, I did a lot of fishing too back home. So what kind of fish did you eat? Blah, 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 blah. 
as they exchange small talk about their upbringing and their background. Taylor, you got anything to interject? No, I am just kind of casually curious about growing up in a cave and not seeing the sun, but I'm just casually listening and kind of only halfway aware as I'm contemplating my dream from last night and this whole situation with the dagger. Grom, how are you passing the time? I'm doing a fair bit of whittling in the back of the wagon there. All right, roll me a sleight of hand to see how well that's going. 24. Very nice. You are making good progress on whatever project you are. I'm working on that club. As you continue on, the uh, amount of traffic on the road is uh, significantly less than you experienced as you traveled between the disputes. After a while, it doesn't take much to notice that there's some smoke in the air and that something is burning. A shout out of the back. Do you guys smell that? I'm guessing you want to go see what that is, huh? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Look where it's got us now. I'm going to crawl out of the back and shield my eyes. Yes, it is. Oh, no, it is another bright sunny day. There isn't a telltale plume of smoke so much as just a lingering haze. As you progress, you eventually come upon the source. You see two burning wagons. The ground is littered with corpses, humanoid and horses alike. The source of the destruction is not overtly apparent, but the giant lines of scorch marks on the ground strike you as suspicious. One blackened line travels along the road. The two burning wagons and one smoldering horse apparently fallen victim to its destruction. Two other massive burns run akimbo, one trailing off into a smoldering copse of trees, the other terminating in an outcropping of rocks. Glancing about, it's hard to tell the nature of the group that was attacked, but it feels like a significant portion of this entourage is simply missing. The back half of a wagon. There seems to be too few horses, and there is mild evidence of the existence of a third wagon, even though it is nowhere to be seen. It takes a moment, but you eventually make out the back half of a horse laying at least a hundred yards off the road. The hell? As you take this all in, you can't help but notice the uncanny silence pervading the scene. Not a bird chirp or insect buzz can be heard, only the light rustling of the trees as they react to the slight breeze. It looks like we've got us a dragon, boys. I'm going to do my best to try to look in the sky. Yeah, I'll be looking up. Okay, perception, Grom with a disadvantage. 14. 18. 13. 11. I didn't roll, I'm lost in thought. Okay. And kind of confused about seeing half a horse. Still very annoyed at that damn squirrel. Yeah, there's nothing immediately apparent in the sky that could be construed as a source of this destruction. Well, bad as it sounds, I think I, I don't want to stick around here in case that thing's come back for a second meal. Agreed. Not even a little bit curious about what's in that wagon. Whatever's in it's probably burnt to nothing. Gold doesn't burn. Well, now you got a point there. Maybe just real quick. I'm looking over at Valrail wondering that if he caught fire, if he'd burn or... No. I will. We better be quick about searching it. Get out of the open. I'm looking around, looking for any kind of tracks. Okay, roll investigation. I'm just going to be keeping an eye on the skyline. Eight. Eight. Uh, Yeah, there's nothing immediately surrounding what I just described. Do you find anything? Well, I guess I will uh, find out real quick. There's a four plus whatever, so I'm guessing not. Investigation? Investigation, yeah. There's a three. (laughs) pretty burnt in here i don't see i mean <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah i don't see i'm gonna start walking back to the horse i don't really see much of anything well then i suppose we better hurry about if we're gonna be hunting a dragon i just the same uh you know be hunting them on our terms not him hunting us i don't necessarily know how you hunt a dragon on your terms 
But uh, I wish you the best with that. I thought you were coming. We're going to find his lair and stuff. All right. I mean, the being it on our terms. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, B's got a plan for that. He's got a battle plan for everything, so. Well, I'm quite interested in hearing it. I think you said it uh, earlier. You just take this sword here and stick him <laughs> with the pointy end. That's about all. You're the kind of tactician I could follow. But I'd like to do it sneakier. Now, it seems to me that fire doesn't seem like it fits. I thought they were talking about that dragon, or the dragons that breathe fire having uh, red scales, not blue. Roll knowledge dragon. (laughs) Uh, That would be a nine. I rolled a three. Is that not a thing that would be common knowledge? No, that is common knowledge, but actually, Brax, go ahead and survival. So a six. That was a 18 plus one, so 19. 12. Nine regardless. Those of you who rolled a 10 or higher uh, would notice that the scorch marks that are on the ground, they look intense insofar as this could be the resi- result of a large focused lightning attack rather than a fire attack. Interesting. Having been struck by lightning once before, I can tell you that this <laughs> is lightning. <laughs> Now, if I could only remember the name of that dragon and try to make an intelligence roll to see if I can pull it back. Twelve? Hmm. It's... Ring... Something. What was it? What was it? Remind me where Grom would have heard the name. Uh, talking to Kebler. Talking to Kebler. Then with a twelve, it is ringing off. But there's something about it that you have to pronounce yeah, slightly. Roll the R. There you go. Ring enough. Well, I suppose we should get moving. Quietly saying it to myself. Ring enough. I think that was the name of that dragon. As I'm scanning the skyline. It's painful. Sometimes you gotta look at the sun. Well, as bad as my sight is out here, I feel like more eyes on the skyline, the better. At least we can know if it's coming. Maybe we should get moving. Agreed. By wise choice, I'm gonna crawl up in the up in the to the front of the wagon for a second, and I'm gonna unfasten my necklace and reach it over and and put it around Tyler Laura's neck. What's this? Uh, it's for you, lass. It's beautiful. Don't lose it. I would not. Why are you suddenly giving it to me? Well, just thought you should have it, lass. So do I got to attune to the squirrel? Uh, if you want to have any control over it. <sighs> All right. I suppose I should probably start trying to figure out how to control this damn thing. You should teach it kung fu. <laughs> Keep it from tearing up hotel rooms in the future. If you'd like, you have begun your attunement this morning. Sounds perfect. I'm just not going to question it. There's too much going on right now between us. <laughs> I, I, I do believe he would not do anything to hurt me, so I'm just going to trust him at that. Yeah, so if uh, y'all just don't want to look more here, or what are we doing? If there's dragons nearby, I'd prefer not to become dragon fodder. Yeah, I say we get moving. Plus, uh, apparently my husband needs to be cured, so... Let's go find this little, uh, this little ant lady. Yeah. You move on from the carnage there. After a moment, the looming threat seems to pass. The haze dissipates enough that, uh, the air smells fresh again. So, Brax, you seem like you're... Pretty in the know with the outside and animals and such. Do you suppose you could make out where something was coming from 
if it laid lightning like that on the ground. Well, I imagine from the one, that one strike, yeah. I wonder how hard it would be to find that cave. I guess, I think, uh, probably the closer we get to it, the more people will have stories and legends and stuff, right? What would you want out of a dragon's cave? I hear there are all kinds of treasure hoarders. Well, I guess I don't know too much that I want anything particular from a dragon. I guess, uh, shoot, I don't even know. What V, did you, do you want to kill a dragon? I don't even know if I want to kill one right now. I think about it. I think we got too much on our plate right now to go looking for a dragon. Yeah, that being said, but what if we just happen to wander across its cave? <laughs> you don't think you'd go look inside? Oh, I think we would. And if we did kill a dragon, I think that I'd have to make myself some uh, dragon armor so I could look like my, my buddy over here. Of course, it sounds like it would be blue, though, right? That might be kind of strange. Well, I could help you make some armor out of some dragon bone and scales. Well, I like that. I'm just very uncomfortable with the concept of someone wearing just dragon skin. What a better way to honor your ancestors. It's not your skin, so why are you worried about it? <laughs> make a proper bone splitter out of you. My people believe that the more fearsome the creature, the more power is locked within his bones. So the greater creature you can split the bones of, the more powerful it makes you. I can't imagine anything more powerful than that. Note to self, don't upset Grom. <laughs> and it only seems right. You guys get to walk around looking like dragons all the time. It's pretty damn cool. I think, Barak, I think you'd look good in some blue dragon skin. Yes. Yeah, we we, gotta, we, we should start looking that up. If we if we happen to stumble upon this cave, I think we, we can go look inside. That sounds good to me. That sounds real good. I'd like to take a quick moment to let our listeners know that this upcoming encounter involves an NPC that was heavily inspired by artwork I found on Pinterest. So much so that I invite anyone interested to click the links in the show notes to check out some amazing art by Darren Benton and Mansik Yam over on artstation.com. These images really serve to enhance the experience for the players, so I invite you to partake in their amazing talent as well. That said, here we go. Alright, you travel for a while. You notice the the birds and the insects have uh, chimed back in. As the day progresses, you come upon a covered wagon drawn by an ox. A lone traveler navigating the road, leading the animal as she walks beside it. There's a gaudy, multicolored sign that declares, Ask me about my wares. As you approach, the merchant is unconventional to say the least. Her pointed ears would suggest a semblance of elven blood. She sports blue leather pants and a leather top that leaves her midriff bare while covering her chest with a piece of metal armor. The most striking thing about her, however, is her hair. It is thick and full, but seems to be made primarily of vines. They wrap around her torso and arms, but not in a hindering manner. And you can't help but notice that they move slightly of their own volition. Grom and Brax, you see something completely different standing before you. Her clothing is made of dark cloth and leather accentuated by bones and feathers, including a belt decorated with various small skulls and pauldrons displaying thick feathers from a creature unknown to you. Her top is open at the front, displaying a good portion of her feminine torso, not inappropriately so. Her skirt is slitted on both sides to allow her legs freedom of movement, and you notice that either she is wearing tights made from some reptilian creature, or the skin of her lower half is quite different than her upper. However, your suspicion is confirmed that it is indeed her skin when you see a thick tail of the same texture whipping lazily behind her. 
You regard her face and see that she bears two large curved horns extending to the sides of her head, one of which is decorated with several gold rings pierced into the bone. Two more smaller horns curve from the back of her head just under her chin on either side of her neck. You aren't sure if they are part of a headdress, for she has a shroud drawn tightly over the top of her head, covering the source of her horns, as well as her eyes, leaving the rest of her face exposed. Now would you look at that? Is that, uh, has it got a lot of bones? Is that one of your people? Someone you know, maybe? Have we stopped our wagon, I'm assuming? Uh, I'm just gonna kind of read the room and see if everyone's slowing down or if they're just keeping on at a I reasonable pace. I just want to clarify... Tyler Lore saw the same as what Murray saw, or...? Yeah, so only Grom and Brax see that. Oh. What are you guys talking about? Bones and stuff? Well, the bones, of course. That, that, I'm... Are you talking about your bones? Because... No, she's got all those little skulls everywhere. No, I see vines. Attempting to hop down. And I wince a little as I hit the ground. Once Grom hops off, I'm just gonna... Whoa there, Mr. Snugglebottom. <laughs> Hold up now. She sees you and says, Ah, well met. Well, what are your wares? You look like you walk with the spirits. As do you. She squints her eyes and looks into your completely black eyes. What do you see, fellow traveler? What do I see or what do I seek? She tilts her head in deference. Well, I see you and your wares. Well, maybe. <laughs> well, I've got uh, some unconventional things. Would you be interested in shopping today? I would. I say it's always worth look, right? You look like somebody knows quite a bit about unconventional things. Not quite sure whether or not to take offense to that. Oh, you certainly should not. Never saw knowing about things as a problem. Seemed like not knowing was the problem. Well, and she stops does something to the ox to kind of get him to hang out and she comes back and says well what kind of uh, inventory are you looking for i have some very interesting things i don't see any bones are we looking at the same thing or are they just blind i'm so confused i'm gonna walk closer up to her and then uh, excuse me miss can i ask you what your name is dragon form my name is Elia. Elia never cross pleased my name is valreal it's a pleasure to meet you Interesting company you keep. And you, Amethyst, may I have your name? You can call me Murray. Murray. Thank you. Alaya Nevercross. Charmed. But I'm Grom. Grom the Toothy. Flash a big, sharpened tooth smile. And I'm Brax, and I'll tilt my cap. Oh, the pleasure's mine. And this up here, the one that doesn't seem to be getting down, that's my wife, Tylalore. Oh, she's lovely. Well, I don't know about uh, my company here, but I don't got anything in particular in mind for buying, but I'm always looking for something that's, uh, you know, it's a little fun. You know what oh, I mean? I got several things that are fun. So I have uh, some standard magical fare, if you can call magical fare standard. I have some inventory that is perhaps a little fae-related. Was well, that right? What do you got in that aspect? Several things, but before we... Get down to uh, negotiations. Are you a man of means? I got a gold dragon next to me, ma'am. I'm going to stand there in the sun, flexing. In terms of that, where are you um, in relation to where she is at this point? Did you get off your horses? Yeah, I imagine that I got off the horse. I 
was on Bojack just came to the back of the wagon. I was still on my horse. I'm watching and observing this whole thing because I'm really weirded out by the two different descriptions. Mm-hmm. She says, are you man of means? She reaches out and kind of touches your face. Kind Don't of touch a him. flirtatious manner. She doesn't stop. She, but she does. She just does this to your face and she says, you're a funny one. Well, thank you, I guess. I think you know, though, if we're looking for objects with the fae, the means is not necessarily financial. Some of these fae items come with, well, let's just say favors. Nevertheless, uh, if you're not interested in certain uh, gases for the exchange of goods, we have, as I said, magical goods. Those I trade with gold. I have some elements from perhaps some different planes. I also part with those for gold. What kind of favors uh, would you be t- would you be looking for? You think? Is he dumb enough to be trying to accept a favor from a fay to Murray? After the, some of the stuff he pulled earlier, it wouldn't surprise me. He made a flower scream at me. It almost got me killed by one of them treant things. A flower scream, that is definitely a first. You should have seen it. It looked like he shed his pants. <laughs> Sorry, Murray. After an entire night of not sleeping, I was a little bit jumpier than I normally am. So they're chatting in the background amongst themselves. She says, the favors range from some simple to some more complex some is you know a memory maybe two maybe an agreement to destroy an item or a thing or a person just something as simple as she reaches out but she stops just short of your face this time and says sometimes a lock of your hair sometimes they're just for fun drink a random potion see what happens everyone's saying I'm cursed he's gonna get himself cursed (laughs) Well, I've got a random potion right here. But I suppose I was more curious about what you see. You look like one that speaks with the spirits and sees with eyes not of this realm. And at that, the three of you are very much confused. Does anybody know what Grom's talking about? I'm as lost as you are. Grom, real quick, where are you in proximity to her? I'm right in front of her. Do you see like a little green elf-looking creature? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, pretty good looking, if you ask me. Quite pretty. I kind of look over Brax and Brax Woody. He's uh, he's pretty focused on her right now. And I'm watching. If she makes a move to try and touch Grom, I will jump off and go to intervene. I'm going to get off the horse, get closer to Brax. Yeah, I'm walking up to him, and then I just kind of tap him on his shoulder. What, what was that? What? Hey, hey, uh, I think we're looking at two different people here. What are you seeing? I look around, you see another person? I don't see two people here. You see what? this? Well, she must be Faye, right? She's probably a Faye creep. You're Faye, aren't you? Are you Faye? I've been called worse by better. Oh, come on, being Faye ain't so bad. Anyways, she was saying we could get a favor for an item. Remember the last time we got a favor? It worked out great. But it doesn't always just work out that way, though. But I mean, the one time it did. But... <laughs> Seems to work out a lot. Yeah, well... Why not go out on a branch? That's where the fruit is. No. You, you tell me no? I, I don't, I'm not real easy with this one. I just don't... It doesn't feel right. Oh, your friend seems apprehensive. Just a traveling merchant trying to get by. I think we've seen enough stuff the past couple of days that's really got me on edge. Oh, young Golden, what has you so scared? And she reaches out to touch your face. No, I back away. She smiles almost wistfully at you. She withdraws her hand. Hey, Brax, can I can I talk to you behind the wagon real quick? 
Yeah, one sec. I'll be right back. I'm no, so sorry. I shall await with bated breath. So, Brax, what what are you actually seeing? I see a it's like a lady here, maybe a fawn. I don't know what her legs are made out of. As a, it's not like fawn fur, like goat legs or whatever. But yeah, it's uh, the backwards knees or knees are definitely there, but the tail in the lower half is definitely a reptilian texture. So I see a you know a lady here that's a that's a fawn with without the hair, basically, but quite a beautiful lady here. A lot of she's dressed up with all these skulls, just like Toothy over there. Just like Toothy over there, yeah, well... Not the cape. She doesn't, she doesn't have the cape of, of head hair. Well, me, Murray, and Tyler Lore are seeing, uh, like, an elf humanoid with viney hair. Actually, nothing what you described. Wait, what, what do you mean you see vine? like... Her hair is, like, long, flowy, like vines. I'm going to peek around again and try to see it, look at her. Does she still look the same to me? Actually, let's have a wisdom roll. Not necessarily saving throw. So that's a 20 plus 3, 23. Ooh, no, with the 23, you, yeah, you look out and listening to what your friend Valryl has communicated to you and drawing back on the voice of reason he's presented to you in the past in the face of interesting encounters. You kind of steal your mind, and just for an instant, there is a shift, and you see what the other three are seeing, but then it's back to what you originally saw with the horns. Oh, shit, well... Why would she do that? Why? Why was that? That's weird, man. I don't know. What do we? What do we do? This is <laughs> this is why that I don't trust this right here. Because we are seeing totally two different people. You think this is a bad person? Uh, right now, I don't know, but I just think she's up to no good. I think this one time you should probably listen to me. This one time, Brax. I, I always listen to you. Go look at the smoke twice. Look. Oh yeah, I get it. <laughs> Well, we had to come up to this smoke because we was on our path. But the last one, yeah, you can blame that one on me. But look at the fine friends we've made. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you then. I, I'm gonna trust. I'll just go hop and hop on Chip. Okay. Uh, while you guys are speaking, Grom, after Brax says, "I'll be right back." She turns her focus to you and says, "What about you, Traveler? Are you just doing any of my wares?" I start reaching in to uh, dig out this little black vial that I have, and I lift it up, be like, "Well, I'm." Less interested in your wear than your vision. Hmm. She cocks an eyebrow. What can you tell me about curses? Can you see them? Can you walk with the spirits? Roll persuasion. Ten. She cocks an eyebrow and says, I'm not sure such visions would benefit me. Hmm. So therefore, I don't necessarily seek them out. I was hoping to benefit myself. Hmm. Well, I am... A business woman at heart. What is it you seek? Information. About? Well, I seem to be collecting curses as fast as I... As fast as I blink. I pull back a, a strap and fur and show the, the black skull on my chest. You blink much in the sunlight. I was curious what you could tell me about this. And some other things that seem to have found themselves embedded in our lives. In exchange for? Well, right now I have this. Other than that... I've got nothing but favors, I suppose. She reaches out. And I hand it to her. I know it protects you from something, but I can't say I know what. She takes it and she looks at it and she takes the little cork out and smells it. Puts the cork back and this might be worth a question. Well, then I suppose I probably wouldn't waste it on this. Tyler Lore, come over here. I jump off the wagon and walk up. I'm very cautious. I 
This is my wife. Your wife, Tyler Lord. Hello. Charmed. You may call me Laya. Laya. Nice to meet you. Oh, the pleasure's mine. Show her your dagger, love. You don't have to let her touch it. <laughs> I'll pull out my dagger. Can you tell me anything about this? I'm not sure I can tell you anything you don't already know. Can you tell me how to fix our little situation? It's common knowledge there. A handful of ways to remove curses. Well, it may be common knowledge to you, but I can't say that it's common knowledge to me. I see you are not from a magical land. In fact, the complete opposite. Gonna go ahead and resheathe my dagger. There are means out there. Magical means. Negotiational means. Do you have the means? She ponders for a moment and says, Unfortunately, I don't have anything currently in my inventory that would help with that. I have many other things. Hmm. I'm not sure we need anything. She kind of draws back the back curtain of her wagon there and... I see it. I, I don't see know, it there. I don't know what you see with that little curtain reveal, but all of you who lay eyes on that have just a little feeling of, oh, I want to know more about that stuff. Are you sure, B? I mean, I, I feel like she's got some pretty cool stuff. Did you, been, did you even look in there? No, I don't want to be tempted. Let's everybody have a perception check. 11. 11. 14. 25. You really want to see in there, don't you? 23. <laughs> the Nat 20, yeah. Yeah, Brax and Grom, they, they got a good look of, there's actually some legit interesting things in there. The, the rest of you are like, oh, wait, what was it? What was it? Oh, oh, that's, hmm. I'm going to put a hand, like a warning hand on Grom, Grom's arm. Like, we really, I don't think we need anything. Maybe you weren't there the other day, but I do recall this giant demon ripping a rift right in front of us. And all I've got is my hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> You've got my dagger, too. Don't forget that. I want that back. We have him a month. Like, pleading with my eyes. Like, please. What are you scared of? Trust me. How about the fact that she looks different than what you see to me? What do you see? She's fucking green with vines. There's no bones on her. Are you green with vines? Do I turn back I'm to Murray. She's vines? green with vines, right? No. Yeah. You think I'm green with vines? That's what you're fucking showing me. Oh. Don't need to be so crass. I want to look at her and using sonic mind just think, What are you? And at that, the visage you behold shifts to that. She turns her head sharply and, and you hear back in your mind, What do you want me to be? And then it shifts back to the green vine-haired girl that you once saw. I'm just going to look at her and think, I prefer this. <laughs> <laughs> and you see her raise a hand to her lips and, and then turn back to regard you, Grum. Well, as far as I'm concerned, you can look like whatever you want. It's been a long time since I've seen uh, someone who looks like they walk in the spirit realm. She holds up the potion that you gave her and says, Have you thought of a question? Hmm. I don't know if you can see it, but there is a darkness that has been following me or living inside me, and it's making me insane. But I need to know if it's, if it's something that's real, if there's something living in my brain, or if I'm just cursed. As you're speaking of this darkness that is following you, her smile widens. I just recently watched Maleficent, but that Angelina Jolie wide Maleficent smile with the slightly elongated canines, still strikingly beautiful, but somewhat feral. And you finish your question, and she says, that's no curse. Fuck. 
Well, all right then. But it seems to me you're on the road to find help. And with that, she takes the potion and tucks it into one of the eye sockets of the skulls on her belt. Well, I thank you for that. Well, now let's take a look at these wares. And I'm going to take a peek. What do we got in here? Slap my hands together and rub them. I'm on my horse looking. (laughs) Well, as I was telling a friend, I have... She glances at you. I'm pissed and about ready to just walk back to the the wagon. Come look at these. Nope. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's talking to us, V. Should we get down and go look at him? He's a bad influence. I don't know. Is whatever you've seen in there worth looking at? Well, yeah. Did you? I mean, look at there. It's. Could any of it help our quest? I think. I bet all magical items could help us. The question is, is what we got to pay for it? I think. What's the harm in looking? This is the least greedy group I've ever met. <laughs> well, it depends on the price, but probably wouldn't hurt just for a quick look. That's what I'm talking about. And then we hop off the horse. <laughs> If it don't get any ideas. As you climb down your horse, you see that once again, that maleficent smile. And you hear her say, yes, woodsman, come see my wares. All right, so logistically, I'm just going to run down what's there. And if you want to know more about it, then chime in. All right, but of the three categories of items that she has, the first being potentially from extra planar locations. She has an astral diamond, a bag of holding, a bead of force, a book of planar travelogue, chest of preserving, elemental compass, everbound fill soup kettle, flame of translation, glasses of astral names, helm of underwater action, automatic map, planar map, and a steel mirror. In the fey category, she has a bag of tricks, rust, Boots of Elvenkind, Boots of False Tracks, Braces of Archery, Charlatan's Die, Cloak of Elvenkind, Cloak of Many Fashions, Dark Shard Amulet, Fey Wild Shard, Gloves of Thievery, Moon Touch Sword, a Mystery Key, A Perfume of Bewitching, A Pot of Awakening, Quiver of Alana, A Staff of Flowers, and a Talking Doll. In the Magic category, she has a Bag of Tricks Grey, Bottled Breath, Cloak of Billowing, Component Pouch Crystal, Dark Shard Amulet, Dust of Dryness, Ear Horn of Hearing, Everbright Lantern, Figurine of Wondrous Power, Hat of Wizardry, Immovable Rod, Orb, Orb of Time, Pipe of Remembrance, Pixie Dust, Ring of Mind Shielding, Robe of Useful Items, Rod, Rope of Climbing, Ruby of the War Mage, Sending Stones, Staff of Atonement, Wand, Wand of Magic Missiles. I guess first, I want to ask Tyler Lore if she recognizes that sword. Is that the one, love? That's a great question. Roll Intelligence. Tyler Lore. That's a 17 on Intelligence. That sword seems completely unfamiliar to you. I don't think that's the one. Do you see anything you want? You know me. You're the one with all the tricks, so... Do you see that bag of tricks? Yeah. You probably want that bag of tricks, but... I want to take it like that doll. While this doll is within five feet of you, you can spend short rest telling it up to six phrases, none of which can be more than six words long, and set an observable condition under which the doll speaks each phrase. You can also replace old phrases with new ones, whatever the condition. It must occur within five feet of the doll to make it speak. For example, when someone picks up the doll, it might say, I want a piece of candy. The doll's phrases are lost when your attunement to the doll ends. The squirrel can have a friend. You know Nerma needs a doll. Come home with all kinds of gifts. And a horse rug. He's going to have the most gangster toys. Her doll talks to her. Her squirrel walks her. 
we may be in the process of crafting the most awesome NPC <laughs> ever dealt with. The child of wonders. What did I hear about a bag of tricks? Yeah, the bag of tricks. This ordinary bag, made from a gray, rust, or tan cloth, appears empty. Reaching inside the bag, however, reveals the presence of a small fuzzy object. The bag weighs a half a pound. You can use an action to pull the fuzzy object from the bag and throw it up to 20 feet. <laughs> when the object lands, it transforms into a creature you determine by rolling a d8 and consulting the table that corresponds to the bag's color. This creature vanishes at the next dawn, or when it is reduced to zero hit points, the creature is friendly to you and your companions, and it acts on your turn. You can use a bonus action to command how the creature moves, and what action it takes on its next turn, or to give it general orders, such as to attack your enemies. In the absence of such orders, the creature acts in a fashion appropriate to its nature. Once three fuzzy objects have been pulled from the bag, the bag can't be used again until the next dawn. That's pretty cool. There's that little quiver back there, too. I wonder what that does. Each of the quiver's three compartments connects to an extra-dimensional space that allows the quiver to hold numerous items while never weighing more than two pounds. The shortest compartment can hold up to 60 arrows, bolts, or similar objects. The mid-sized compartment holds up to 18 javelins or similar objects. The longest compartment holds up to six long objects, such as bows, quarterstaffs, or spears. You can draw any item the quiver contains as if doing so from a regular quiver or scabbard. I don't want to take up all the time. <laughs> We're at a magic shop. <laughs> you got a question? We're not gonna find this again. I also have no money, so it's like just take the wagon and run. <laughs> this lady's gotta be like level twenty. There's no way she's on her own with all this stuff. <laughs> That's a worse idea than dealing with her. <laughs> Are you saying this could all be our stuff? <laughs> I did have the thought. Hmm. <laughs> if we kill the ox, she can't go anywhere. She'll starve. And then, sir, I'd also like to know about the ring of mind shielding. I don't recall saying one of those. Oh, you did. <laughs> oh, you did, sir. Ring of mind shielding. While wearing this ring, you are immune to magic that allows other creatures to read your thoughts, determine whether you are lying, know your alignment, or know your creature type. Creatures can telepathically communicate with you only if you allow it. You can use an action to cause the ring to become invisible until you use another action to make it visible until you remove the ring or until you die. If you die while wearing the ring, your soul enters it unless it already houses a soul. You can remain in the ring or depart for the afterlife. As long as your soul is in the ring, you can telepathically communicate with any creature wearing it. A wearer can't prevent this telepathic communication. Sounds like the ring Brax would want. What do you want for the ring? The ring of mind shielding. I. I could part with that for 500 gold. And if I didn't have any gold? Well, then I suggest you start bartering. What kind of favor would you want for it? A minor one. Well, I'm sure you'll have to be a little more descriptive than that. I'm sure that I don't. I have goods, you have gold. And if you don't have gold, you have favors. Oh, a favor for our future. Potentially. All right, so mechanically, this face section of what I got here, there's a chart that I, I would roll uh, 1d10 on. As you say, this is a, a heavy plot item if we <laughs> make this decision. Make the decision. Seems he rolls super good. fun. Even more so if he doesn't roll. I'll take it. Well, one second there. What if we? Well, what if? What if we? Uh, Cause I'm looking at that 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 Trixie bag there. What if we combine our our two items? Can we do like one favor together as a group? Like a big favor. Oh, now you're trying to get us all into this, huh? Well, she said a small favor before, so maybe just like a medium small favor. Medium small I, favor, whole group. I have gems that equate about three hundred average. Well, I forgot that we had money. I only have a hundred and twenty gold left, but. I'm seeing the benefit of potentially helping Grom with this ring of mind shielding. So I pull out two of my gems that I have. They average 300. Would these work? For the ring? Yes. May I see them? Takes them and yes, these would work nicely. It's a deal. 
I mean, if there's time, I just wanted to ask her information about how to use it and if I, what I need to do to use this. Like, do I just put it on? You just uh, spend some time with it, and over the next 24 hours, you'll feel it take hold, just as I'm sure you've felt other things take hold. Does she happen to mention anything about the last part of this? About there being a soul in it, possibly from whoever has died while wearing it? Is there anybody in it already? No, no, that would, no, that would be fun. But no. Well, thank you. No such luck for me, I guess. And I'll slip it on. You take a breath of relief as nothing happens. By chance, have you seen anything like this? The skull on my chest. She tilts her head, and despite the fact that the shroud is covering her eyes, it actually seems as if she's regarding your chest. I've seen many curses in my day. None like that. But also, that's not so different. I guess I wasn't so sure that it was a curse and maybe just something I didn't know how to use right. I've known many people that have applied many curses to their benefit, so I wish you the best of luck. I don't suppose you have anything there that can shield the sun from somebody's eyes without making it so I can't see. She reaches down and tears a strip of cloth from her skirt and smiles at you and offers it to you. (laughs) We're the simplest of solutions. I told you a piece of cloth would work. I didn't even think about that. There was so much other stuff going on. I'm going to tie it around my eyes and see if it, if it blinds me too much to be able to see. Or No, it's almost a linen. You can see, you can make the shapes. It helps uh, mitigate the, the pain of the sun. We'll see mechanically how that works out a little later. But you do immediately feel like that could be helpful. <laughs> uh, some of the simplest acts are really magic. I thank you. And I thank you for this. And I tap the ring. My pleasure. Now, woodsman, are you interested in the gray one or the rust one? I kind of like... Uh... Can we look at him before we make decision? Nah. <laughs> the gray I could part with for a monetary exchange, but the rest one, I would need an agreement or favor. All right, one, one sec. We'll be, we'll be right back. All right, V. I got this stupid blood diamond with somebody else's soul in it that I don't want. Gwendolyn is. Mm-hmm. This has got to be worth tons of money, right? <laughs> yeah. And she's got to know who this person is. Yeah. Tyler or roll perception. Tylador would never, she would never know. He can't tell the difference between these stones. No, no, that, that's that's probably a good idea. I don't hear anything anyway. I rolled a nat one. What do you think? You think that's a pretty good idea? I mean, I'm thinking maybe we could get a little bit more. Maybe I go, what do you want? Do you say anything that you like? You know wow. what? Just, you're the one that likes the bag of tricks. Things. Wow. I just kind of go, go with which your gut instincts. So whatever, whatever works. Or, or is that. <laughs> Or is that too fucked up? Because I like, I do realize that this isn't our person to be given away. Should we, I, I guess, now I'll think about it. I don't want to be a person trading in souls. But I, I got a couple of the empty ones. You think she'd be interested in those? Maybe the empty ones, but you remember those two stones we got from that, that grave? Do we think those are worth anything? I, I haven't taken a look at those at all. You know, there, was a, there was a blue and a purple stone that I pulled out of there. She said grab all the shiny stuff. So I grabbed the coins and those stones. Well, can't really show the stones to her in front of these people, no, right? No, can't like, do that either. And then you're, you're probably right about the blood ruby with Gwendolyn. Dealing with souls, that's a, that is a little screwed up. That is a little screwed up. That's kind of why we're in this situation. All right, well, let's, well, go let's, s- see, let's see what the price is. Okay, let's go see what the price is on the gray bag. Then, I, I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Come on back. As Grom's looking at his new ring, she's kind of making busy work in the back of her wagon, pretending like she's actually doing something while she waits for him. All right, so what? Uh, how much you back. say that? Yes, sorry. Um, what'd you say that gray bag was gonna go for? Mm-hmm. Five hundred. 
What what do you say the the value of one of these uh, these blood rubies is? An empty one. May I see it? Yes, of course. He takes it. Says. She hands it back to you. Says, I don't believe those are viable currency. That's fair enough. Well, what do you say, V? This is. I'm gonna give this call to you. Either we get the favor or we walk away. What are you feeling? You, you, you really want this this bag, don't you? This bag of tricks. Well, how much could a favor be for some bunnies pulling out of a bag, right? She probably yeah, just wants us to scare somebody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, shoot, just go for it. Let's, let's find out what this favor is all about. All right. Have you made your decision? Well, yeah, I think that uh, me and V here, we're going to go for that rust one. We'll take that favor. And, and I'll just tell you, as long as nothing uh, goes in the way of, like, the unsealed core or, you know, anything like that. Hmm. I just can't be breaking two things, you know? You're cute. She pulls the bag out from behind the wagon, hands it to you. Take it, and I'll shake her hand, too, if she puts it out. She she does in the, kind of the feminine. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Kiss you. Oh. That's a little weird. Gentlemen, too. Brax, would you roll me a d10? Oh, man. Seal your fate. It's a six. Hmm. That's not a good... <laughs> I gotta kill somebody on the, the Sealy Court. Well, it's not bad. It's a... Uh, hmm. Mark, I will talk to you uh, the next time we take a break. That sounds good. Hey, Murray. Uh, interesting point of contention. You go to say the word Murray, and you can't quite get it out of your mouth. Hmm? Try again. Hmm? You okay there? I don't know. I'm trying to say the name up. Oh. But I just can't get it out of my mouth. Can you say his name? Mermonier? Yeah. Knuckles. Hey, Knuckles. Yeah. There's a doll in here. A magic doll. For that daughter of yours. She's already got a squirrel and a horse. I don't know. It looks like you've got a squirrel now. I see you liking it. As soon as I can be rid of this thing. You love it. Over this time, I've been staring at the squirrel, trying to psionically communicate with it. I'm assuming to no avail. Uh, you're not quite sure. It lands. I think that uh, even if you psionically communicate with other people... You just have a confidence that it lands, but there's not like a feedback loop or anything like that. That's um, actually, what are you trying to communicate with it? Just like simple commands like sit down, stand up. Yeah, any command that you've given it, if it has heard you, it has not obeyed you. This damn thing. Maybe you could trade it for a doll. No. It might be useful, especially if I need something heavy to chuck at someone. They had a statue in the back of here. Hmm? Looked like a big <laughs> sea god. Hmm? Made you look. At that point, Elia is battening up her cart and getting the ox squared away to continue on her travels. Well, I appreciate the information. Well, I hope you find the help you're looking for. I, me too. V, here, pull one of these out, throw it over there. Yeah, you gotta roll a D8. It's a six. All right, a giant boar. Oh, what did you get? <laughs> Where did you throw it? Right behind you. On the wagon. On, on the, the, on the, the wagon. wagon. On the wagon. <laughs> You got two friends now. So, yeah, it's fine. He just... <laughs> and looks around. Don't worry, he's he's friendly, boar. He kind of clambers over the back of the seat and sits down next to you and just parks in. It <laughs> <laughs> looks like there goes my spot. I thought I thought that was going to be a bunny rabbit. I, I don't know how <laughs> funny this thing's going to be. You hear <laughs> from Elia. Elia, <laughs> are you traveling north or south? I travel the way the winds take me. Well, keep your eyes sharp. There's a bit of wreckage from a dragon attack a little way south of here. I'm going to peek again towards the back of the wagon. 
I mean, it looks like you've got enough here to take care of yourself just fine, but thought you should know. I appreciate the concern. And she reaches out and does the back of the hand to the face once more and says, You take care of yourself. Well, I'll do my best. But so far, I haven't been overly great at it. And it looks like I just lost my seat in the wagon. I'm going to make my way to the back. I'm going to climb in. You guys get situated, loaded up. Alaya does the same. Before she leaves, she turns and blows you all one more kiss and says, And I thank you, Amethyst Scale. What'd you get? I'm going to look at her and think, What? Very confused manner. Poor Mer- 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 Damn it. Knuckles. Will I have heard them try like start to say something and then it like just gets caught and they can't like I would have heard the beginning of a mer- yes you would have but uh, interestingly enough there's almost like a brain fog that happens you heard it you acknowledge it and you're like oh that's oh look that's a chicken so I wouldn't necessarily recognize they were trying to say Murray correct okay you have no recollection of ever being called Murray oh God Nermon oh no you travel on. You part ways with Aliyah never cross. You continue northward. She continues on in a similar direction, and although the road is pretty singular in its direction, you look up at a certain point, and she's gone. You are alone on the road, traveling northward once more. So what'd you get there? Brax, you look over, you see Grom has drawn the window cover and is peering out at you through his cloth eye covering. This here, this is a... It's a little bag of tricks. It's uh, got little animals inside of it. You see that that board? I point upwards. So it looked like I lost my spot. Yeah, this, that's what this thing does. It pops out some little creatures. Little creatures? Well, I thought it was going to be a rabbit, to be honest. The thing weighs 150 pounds. Yeah, so where is Tylalore in all this? With the boar in the seat, I'm probably in the coach. What'd you trade for it? Well, now, that's a little bit of a secret. Secret good or secret bad? Uh, I don't know. Uh, this is a good secret, I guess. Bad secret? I don't know. I'm not sure. What's that? What? What's that mean? Is it the kind of secret that'll kill us? Oh no, I don't think so. Hmm. Well, all right then. That makes it a better secret by far. I look forward to finding out sometime. Well, hopefully, I never have to tell you. She shrink your. Uh... <laughs> what do you want to see now? <laughs> no, it's okay. Maybe I'll toss one of these little fur balls in there with you and see what goes. What happens? What happens if we eat one? That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Come on, Grom. This is a friendly creature. Well, I'm just saying. We don't necessarily have to keep carrying around this troll fat. When you got a perfectly nice boar, you can just pull out of your bag at any time. I suppose we could try it, but I I don't want to be the one that kills my friend boar. (laughs) We're not hungry right now. Just throwing it out there. Keep it in the back pocket. Does he go back in there? Oh, I think it just disappears. It disappears next dawn. So we can... if we ate it, would we then be hungry immediately after? Disappears in your belly, huh? Oh, it's like Chinese food. These are all great Google searches. Gotta eat it first thing in the morning. That way it has plenty of time to digest before it disappears. What'd you get there? I was kind of... I wasn't really paying too much attention. I got this ring. She called it a ring of a mind shielding. I'm just hoping I can keep those damnable things from breaking into my head all the time. Then we'll see if it works or not. How much do you think we could sell that boar for? We probably have to sell him pretty quick. He's going to vanish. Well, we just have to skip town. Yeah, skip I mean, town, yeah. 24 hours. Are they all boars? Do I know Do I know what I pull out? we got to roll the die. 
she would have told you it's a random fuzzy object. Can you just pull out as many as you want? I think she said it was uh, limited to three a day. For as many days as you want. Well, that there, I, I think so. So you could just pull out three gigantic boars and just run around with three boars all day and do it again tomorrow. Well, let's see. And I'll pull out another one and throw Wait, it. hold on. I got to sit in here somewhere. I was throwing it 20 feet. I'm on the outside. I'm throwing it 20 feet in front of us while we're going. Roll it up. Seven. That's a lion. Holy oh, shit. <laughs> what the? You said that you gave me the rust bag, right? Yep. Well, we need that demon to come through the portal right now. I'm feeling a lot more confident <laughs> about fighting this demon. How much do you think we can sell a lion for? <laughs> and this lion, full mane, is just sitting there. And he kind of looks at you and... How does the horse react to suddenly seeing a lion? <laughs> Roll animal handling. Oh, God. Probably all of us, yeah. That's a nine. Oh, no. I got a 20. Oh, no, indeed. Eight. You feel the carriage. <laughs> uh-huh. You do feel the carriage. You feel the carriage lurch, Murray. You're kind of in autopilot mode, kind of contemplating. There's something in the back of your head. Somebody tried to say your name, but it didn't quite... I don't know. It's weird. The woman is weird. The vines of her hair. Have you ever, I've never seen anything. Oh, snuggle bottoms. What are you doing? So it takes a minute to kind of get him reined, and you look up, and there's just a lion sitting up in the middle of the road. Whoa, whoa. Easy now. Also, uh, Bojack is not pleased. Whoa, Bojack. Settle down. He's he's our friend. He'll be gone in a little bit. Easy now, Mr. Snugglebottoms. Well, it looks like we got ourselves a guard, lion. Yeah, I guess, uh... Yeah, a lion popped out. It wasn't a boar this time. I don't know if y'all can see that in there. Um, Looked into the side as much as I can to see it. Hey, little kitty, why don't you... Will you uh, scout up for us a little bit? Hey, Brax, since... uh. We get to throw three of those out. Can I, can I reach it in the back oh, of that Of course bag? you can, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> throw it in front of us. Three. It's a mastiff. <laughs> now we got a dog. Would you quit doing that? Hell is going on here. The horses react to the mastiff uh, way better than they reacted to the lion. Don't worry, Knuckles. They'll be gone in the morning. We got ourselves a little circus here. <laughs> Bad enough I have to ride next to this thing. That's my wife you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Knuckles, I'll come out there and we'll find out who's tougher. Talk about her like that one more time. It's a good thing I'm in the coach with you. <laughs> what even is that thing? That, that big one down there? It's a dog. You ain't seen a dog before? No, no, no. I've seen a dog. I'm talking about the other one, the bigger one. That dog creature. Food that comes when you call it. It's genius. Oh, uh, that there's a lion. It's kind of like a, like a little kitty. You know what a kitty cat is, right? Yeah, I saw a cat back in the city, but kind of got a brief understanding of what they are. That don't look like no little kitty to me. It's just a bigger one, really. You don't want to play with these out in the wild. This one seems friendly, but you see the other ones, you probably go the other way. You probably wouldn't have to go the other way. Onward, Mr. Snugglebottoms. That lion went out scouting. Or can I, I don't know how much of a command I can really give. Go in front of us. Plodding out there. He's yeah. just kind of lazily walking out there. Whatever. Well, this is, this is pretty cool. Leave it to a cat to make us stare at its butthole for a couple of miles. That's exactly what it's doing. Have you seen my butthole? Hey, Knuckles, you keeping an eye out for that trail off to the left? I can do that. You come across a pair of travelers. They're standing just off the road looking intently at a large tree. More specifically, at an anomaly in the tree. The center of the trunk is a writhing mass of swirling shadow. The patterns created are intriguing. Occasionally an eye appears within the mass. I'm assuming you slow your carriage as you come up on this. Yeah. 
So I would give Tyler and Grom an opportunity to peek out the window to see if they can make out any of this. The patterns created are intriguing. Occasionally an eye appears within the mass, its yellow gaze seemingly peering into your deepest thoughts, and then it is gone, only to return, a different shape and hue of yellow moments later. One of the travelers seems to be absolutely enraptured, while the other reluctantly tears his gaze away to acknowledge your arrival. Looks at you and says, We found this. I don't know what it is, but it's amazing, and I want more. Oh boy. There's a wild look in his eyes that suggests fanaticism. The one enraptured states plainly, He wants me. And nonchalantly pulls a dagger, takes hold of his left ear with his offhand, and then brutally swipes at it with his dagger. He successfully separates the ear from his head, but such a wild attempt takes his fourth and fifth fingers as well. He doesn't seem to notice the digits fall to the ground, and he holds out the dismembered ear to the void in front of him. At the offering, a dark tentacle emerges from the opening, reached from the proffered piece. Grom, your eye twitches. You hear a small voice say, Yuck, Phil Dust. And the rest of you see the tentacle writhe to the man with the outstretched hand, gently probing the offering. And then another emerges, and then another. Then with an explosive movement, the tentacles wrap the man around the torso and each leg and lift him from the ground. The man lets out a maniacal laugh, and when the creature begins to draw him to the portal, he lets out a delightful, It's chosen me! I worthy! The other is instantly distraught and throws himself at his entangled companion, pulling out the restricting appendages. No, no don't choose him, choose me! I am worthy! I am the one that you want! The struggle continues for a moment, and as the man is consumed into the void of the rift, a fourth tentacle strikes forth, knocking the other man to the ground. Once the sacrifice is completely subsumed, all that is left of the rift is a series of eyes of varying sizes and hues of yellow gazing back at the three of you. The man left behind crawls to his knees, and then after a few deep breaths, cocks his head at you. He has a wild look in his eyes and says, You, you did this. You distracted me. If I hadn't been distracted, I would have been chosen instead of him. I will make you pay. And at that declaration, he leaps to his feet and charges at you. And everybody roll initiative, please. 13. 22. We got 21. 16. 13. Tylenor. Upon hearing that, and upon exiting the coach, you are first to act going to assess the situation, try and figure out what the ruckus is, and if I see this guy chasing us, I'm going to move forward to stop him. Basically what you see is, at this point, this crazed person before you, rising from his knees, looking as all get out, like he has hostile intent towards you. So, so you stop him? Yes. So you were going to move in front? Yep. Question for you. Um, I've got danger sense. Could I say that would have alerted me enough to the fact that something was right? It's an uncanny sense of when things nearby aren't as they should be, giving you an edge away from danger. Would that have been enough to alert me out of the vehicle? Sure. Tyler, I think you can close distance. Yeah? That puts you just outside range. Okay. I think I'll hold. Yeah, right. I'm going to jump off the horse, pull out my sword. In doing that, I'm going to send the boar towards him with the attempted attack. The boar hops down from the wagon and lands about as you would expect a boar would land. The legs kind of splay up. <laughs> and he takes a minute, kind of getting back to his feet. Uh, that ate up a little bit of his movement, so he gets to about uh, 10 feet away from the fanatic there. At that point, something emerges from the anomaly in the tree. 
you see a constantly flickering mass of eyes, mouths, and tentacles hang in the air, emitting a piping noise from flutes of bone as it writhes to its own horrific melody. A sense of dread envelops you as if something else, something unfathomably vast, is also shuddering along to a tune just beyond your perception. And this creature appears. Mirmalnir and Grom, who has the higher dex bonus. I just saw this thing crawl out of this tree. Essentially, there's definitely something otherworldly attached to this tree. Oh, the big one's mine. And I will uh, start raging as I'm sprinting as fast as I can at this thing. I don't have my weapon out at all yet. I'm just sprinting and I'm going to just ram into it. That will be your movement and your action. Uh, due to your broken ribs, please roll a... Here we go. <laughs> oh, I lost my action. Back there. Your movement got you to about 10, 15 feet away. You kind of turn the corner to get around this lion that is still kind of waiting to see what to do. And as you turn, you twist just right. And oh, your ribs just... Mm, ouch. Cracks and buckles me. Uh, Murray. Excuse me. Mirror on there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leap down off the cart. And say out loud, Kusodros Nakta V, as I am sprinting towards the fanatic. Yeah, you kind of divert around the boar and Tylalor, and effectively close distance with the crazed. I'm taking a running right hook at him. Mm. No, I'm not. That's a four. As you round, the couple of the tree branches hit you in the face, and you kind of your foot catches the boar a little bit. You regain your sight just as you close distance, and you bring this haymaker around and woof. like to utilize fury of blows to redirect myself that ain't that ain't gonna do it either i swing so hard i throw myself off balance and i uh, i lose it and i'm not able to continue the fury as i've disoriented myself oh, enough. No. Um, yeah i don't know if it was the perceiving of the aberration that has brought forth into the material plane that distracted you but it is enough to knock you off balance as you so put brax i'm gonna stay on my horse but I'm going to kind of move over to the grass over there a little bit. Uh, just not very far, like, right. And then from there, I'm going to cast Sacred Flame. And I want to center it around the tree. So I'm hitting the tree, I guess. And that is, um, oh, Dexterity Saving Throw. The tree fails. The tree fails. All right. I like, I'm, yeah. And so that's four, four radiant damage. You see a sharp flare that uh, you didn't expect as it hits the tree the dry dead branches just kind of crumble down you feel like that may have done a little bit more damage than you were anticipating and then as a bonus action uh, kitty give me a tentacle i'm gonna do evens is bite and odds is claw does that sound fair so that's a claw a 17 yeah those claws sink into this uh, fluted strange musical being that has come through that's four damage and at that Yet another creature emerges from the portal. It's a bipedal monstrosity that has slick violet-black skin, horns, claws, bat wings, and a long barbed tail. But its face is completely featureless. Oh, jeez. It bursts through with an aggression and turns and comes at you, Murray. However, Murray, you take in all the new players in the field and manage to uh, step back away from two of its claw swipes. And, And then we are to the fanatic who rises and reaches his hand out towards you, Murray, and says, hold! And I need you to roll a wisdom saving throw. Uh, 19. 
All right, you feel your muscles seize up momentarily, and then you dig down deep into your mental training, and your mind overcomes your body, and you shrug off whatever magical effect was trying to hold you and paralyze you. And that will bring us back to the top tower. I'm going to go for an attack on the initial fanatic, and I am using my longsword, and I swing, and I just whiff. Bonus action? I don't think so this time. Valroll. I'm going to send the boar in straight charge towards the initial fanatic. That boar comes charging in. It actually kind of knocks Tylalor and Murray, excuse me, Miramilnir, to the side, uh, causing them to stumble just a little bit. We'll see if that affects their next turn, but it is charging in with reckless abandon. Go ahead and roll attack. Six. That will not do it. I think the jostling between trying to, try to get between those two people did not help his situation. I've had enough of the boar, so I'm going to go in. Okay, you get to about the front line there, and you don't readily see a way to interject yourself into the fray there. All of the enemies are at least 10 feet away from you with your allies impeding your progress. So unless you want to throw something or do any type of ranged attack. I'm going to hold hold there. This tentacly beastie. Two of his tentacles are holding a bone pipe of some sort. This otherworldly music is... I don't know, it's scratching at the back of your head. It's uncomfortable. He is going to, in the face of, is that the... That's the lion. He's just going to tentacle the shit out of the lion. That'll be uncomfortable to watch. Viewer discretion advised. God, I hope I'm not into this. All right, you see two tentacles emerge forth from this aberration, and it wraps this lion up, and one reaches over the back and under the belly and wraps up his leg, and the other one crosswise comes and takes the throat, and with a vicious tearing, you hear almost a thunderclap in the background as... And that lion's body twists in an unnatural way, and it falls to the ground, unmoving. Oh, no. And it fades away if it dies, you said. Mm Mm-hmm. Poof. <laughs> <laughs> so that means we'd have to eat it while I was alive. Grum. Hey, grabbing my side, recognizing that my hitch in my giddy-up has pulled me out of my rage, I double down and I pull out my weapon, and I'm going to jump into the fray. I'm going to dive in up to right next to Tyler Lore. And I'll try this one more time, and I'm going to drag that blade of my axe across my chest and draw a bright line of blood and go into my rage. Take three or four hit points, I suppose. Well, let's just do two half to one. I'm going to chop this thing's... I'm aiming specifically for the pipe. With your broken ribs. Let's find out if I get in action. <laughs> I do! How tall is this thing? Surprisingly, not much bigger than you. Well, I want to sink a chop right across its face and hopefully hit that horn. That's a nat 20, sir. Tell me where you hit it. I want my blade to just smash right through that little horn as I'm and then hopefully bury my the teeth of the blade right into its face, or where I think a face might be. By all means. 12 damage of physical damage, and then 6 damage of psychic damage. You cleave that horn right in half, and then knowing what you're about, you follow through, and that hatchet bites into that soft, milky, tentacly, bulbous flesh, and... You all hear in your mind just a... Didn't like that. Murray. Excuse me. Mirmalnir. I'm going back at the Fanatic, and I'm going to utilize Fury of Blows again. 11. 
Ooh, not quite. He's frothing at the mouth now. He's like in that mindset of things around him are in slow motion. I'm gonna do Fury of Blows once more. That ain't gonna do it. That's a 14. A 14 will connect. Eight. He dodges your first one and jukes to the right on the second one, and then he jukes to the left thinking that he's got you figured out, and your fist just lands square in his nose, exploding it. Nice. Blood flows from his nose. You can see it in his eyes, and you're mildly disconcerted when he looks at you and says, (laughs) Rex? So I will stay exactly where I am. Uh, I'm going to look at this little flying creature here. I'm just going to say leave and cast command. He's got to pass a wisdom saving throw. What's the DC? I think it's 13. All right. He does have a plus two to wisdom, so he rolls. Meets beats. Yep. Yep. So nothing happens there. That's my turn. Yeah. You see that faceless, horned abomination. (sighs) Look at you. You would think the gesture he makes would constitute a roar, but nothing comes out. Thrust his head at you. And in your mind, you th- you're expecting a... But, I don't know, he doesn't have a face. And then he turns viciously back to Murray. Two raking claws just come across your chest, Murray. It almost knocks you down for 18 damage. Oh, no. Let's see, so the cultist leaps up. His previous spell did not work. He looks at you, Tylor, and makes a hand gesture and says, Flee! And I need you to make a wisdom saving throw. No, we need you to make a wisdom saving throw. <laughs> oh, that bodes well. Okay. 19. With the 19, yes, there is a, a moment of compulsion that comes over to you to run away. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> and that's why the dagger needs to go. Oh. There's a moment of where this magical compulsion enters your head, but you shrug it off like it's nothing, but you also feel the need to flee. So I turn... And I dart away. And that will be perfect because it is your turn next. So you need to spend all of your movement moving away from him. You have an action. Yeah, I'm going to stop. And can I see how things are going? Then you stop. You can turn around. Um, If you wanted to take a perception for your action, we could do that. I like that that guy just thinks his spell work and won't try it anymore once he's out. That's going to be a 13 on my perception. Uh, Past the... Well, no, you don't even see the remains of the deadline because he... uh, (laughs) Really, there's just the last 12 seconds have been a flurry of activity, but really nobody looks too worse for the wear. I will say that at the end of this turn, the compulsion of the dagger will have subsided. I wanted to use my rally attack bonus action, and I'm going to aim at Murray. Not much, sorry. But that gives you a full points. Four, you said? And that will end my action. So I'd like to take a running leap over the boar at the fanatic with my weapon drawn and trying to strike him in the head. Six. Your foot catches on the boar. It's swinging its tusks around. You didn't anticipate that. But uh, you land. You don't uh, You don't trip and fall to the ground. But uh, you don't manage a solid hit. Bonus action? I'll stop there and I'll... The tentacled beast. Despite the cleaving of the horn, its two tentacles bring up yet another pipe and this song permeates the air and it culminates in some sort of otherworldly manifestation and as the melody swells this horned faceless creature seems to split in two. Oh no and now there are two of those threats rather than just one grom my action well first let's see if i get one i do not i buckle over in pain 
Uh, do I still get to movement? You do. Since I went to go move my axe and it buckled me over, I'm going to go ahead and use that to try to just throw myself to the ground between the feet here. I want to put myself all the way between Murray and the fanatic. Okay, that will result in an attack of opportunity from the tentacle beast. Come get it. That does not hit. Suck it, tentacle beast. You managed to weasel your way through. And are you remaining on the ground, or are you trying to regain your feet? I'm trying to regain my feet. Uh, let's have a roll of some sort. I don't think I made it. That'll be a six. Unless you can come up with a modifier that puts you over ten, then uh, I have you on your hands and knees between Murray and the fanatic. And that brings us to... Excuse me, Miramalnir. I'm going to whip around, and I'm going to use my breath weapon towards the hard creatures. Night Gaunts is what their actual name is. It's a line, right? Or are you a cone? Cone... They get a save. DC is 8 plus my constitution modifier plus my proficiency bonus, so it's 10. And it's dex. Roll damage. Ask Tyler Lore. She's been hit by it before. But don't worry, no grudges here. Three. <sighs> Just made myself a target. Brex. Well, I'm going to kind of look past as I see Tyler Lore running past me. And she shouts back somebody at encouragement, so I'm a little confused, but... Uh, I'm going to pull out my, my bow if it's not already out, and I'm going to try to shoot at this little tentacle beast. That might be with a disadvantage because of Valryl's position. That will be 14. That just hits. You let loose the arrow, and you think, oh, shit. But then a tentacle kind of raises up, and then, hey! That is four points of damage. Uh, now is the Night Gaunt's turn. The one right in front of you, Murray. Oh, look at that. I am dead. As I see the beast swinging at Murray, I kick my feet out and push Murray using my protective fighting style so the creature has disadvantage on this attack. So you use your reaction on this one? I. All right. Well, with a natural one, I don't have to roll again. <laughs> Fair. Well, I don't get to know what it is. <laughs> know that Murray's gonna get killed if I don't do something. No, that's fine. You push your feet out, and you slam into Murray's back, and Murray slams into the night gaunt. <laughs> it reared back. It was ready to just tear your throat out, but whatever, it jostles, and it spins a little bit, and that swing goes wild, and it trips over something, and it goes prone. Uh, the other one, however, sees the chaos before it, and takes a quick look around, and then assesses its threats, and then charges with a uh, superhuman speed towards you, Brax, and then takes a swing at... What is the horse's AC? I would say 12. If you would look up horse's health. Eight. Eight? Oh, no. You just kill Chip? The night gaunt closes distance and just lashes his razor claws across Chip's throat. And, oh my gosh, there is so much blood. And Chip stumbles and crumbles and tips to the side and roll me a dexterity saving throw 16 you manage to tumble off to the side and land to your feet but it's apparent that chip is dead which brings us to the fanatic he pulls out his dagger and bloodshot eyes level at you Valryl this is your fault you die plunges his dagger into you for 8 damage that was a natural 20 Give me that look. Can we take a picture of it? <laughs> and that brings us back to Tyler. I just watched this thing kill the horse, so I'm going to charge at that and attack. And that's a 14 to hit. That will hit. Three. 
I am gonna try and rally Mermolier again. That'll be eight points. Brings us to Valril. Alright, I'm gonna go back at the Fanatic. This time, try to take uh, another swipe at its throat this time. Thirteen. Thirteen will just hit. Swipe across. You don't quite get his neck, but you rake your rapier across his chest. So go ahead and roll damage. Three. You know there are other numbers on those dice. <laughs> this, this I know. <laughs> the servitor turns to you, Valril. Valril, you are violated by tentacles for 12 hit points worth of bludgeoning damage. Grom. And I'm going to get to my feet as quickly as I can in front of this thing. And again, my rage is gone. But I'm going to see if I can attempt an action. My ribs just cripple me over and I fall back down to the dirt. Jeez. That's all I got. Okay, mirror Molnir. All right, I'm taking a... That black thing's prone, isn't it, now? Sure is. Who's controlling the the boar? Isn't that with your bonus action? So that would attack in the same time as you attack? If you yeah. told it to, yeah. Yeah, if I told it to, but I didn't. There's also the dire wolf that's not being used. Which he controls. It's not, it's a mastiff. Mastiff, it's... yes. <laughs> it, it would do, if, if it's not told what to do, it would do what it would naturally do. It's true. Drool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking an attack at this black creature. I get advantage since they're prone, don't I? Correct. So it'd be 21. That will hit. Six for that one. And then I'm going to take Fury of Blows again. Uh, that first one's not going to hit. And that second one is a natural 20. It'd be eight plus five is a uh, 13. <laughs> Alright, in my experience, when I've seen a horse die, because I know I have, do they typically like react like humans where you have like a few seconds and then they'll pop back up if you if you fix them? Or are they just like or animals just like wheel like weak minded and they just die? Do they get a death saving roll or not? Something like that. So the slash was enough to he's bleeding out, so you got that wild horse eye look laying on the ground just <laughs> So I would say there's at least six seconds of what the hell just happened to me. So he doesn't get a death saving roll? Is that you saying? I'm going to say that if you don't do anything in this round, then he's just going to pass. I'm going to cast Spare the Dying on the horse as I kneel down and touch it. I'm also, as my bonus action, going to be pulling out my dagger. And that's my turn. So my horse is alive. Yay, Chip. Where were you when our friend got crushed by a tree? <laughs> <laughs> Same spot, actually. <laughs> Mirmanir, buckle up for some claw attacks. First one misses. Do I have to wait till I see one hit, or do I just use it immediately? If you see the attack, then I think that's when you react. That's what I'm doing. Would you quit kicking me? <laughs> okay, that was the one to use it on because that did hit. Ooh, but that still hit. Well, I did what I can. Eight slashing damage. It's a good thing I gave you those temporary points. Boy, they were super temporary. <laughs> <laughs> the night gun that had just ripped Chip's throat out regards you. At least you think it's regarding you. It has no face. Looks back at the horse. Looks back at you. And here comes two slashing claws to you, Brax. 17 damage. Holy Jeez. shit. Those razor sharp claws. One latches in to... Hits your clavicle. You think it might be stuck on the bone, but no. It just rips oh. through your chest. Oh. And the other one comes across your face and... Oh. That was close. I almost lost an eye. It's more pissed that you saved your horse than it is that I attacked it. <laughs> the fanatic stands up. He takes takes a step back, provoking an attack of opportunity from Valryl, if you would like. I'll go for it. <laughs> Four. 
tried. You're surprised at the action. You were expecting another dagger attack. But the fanatic stands up and looks around and just says, Yes. <laughs> and that's his turn. Tell her. I attack the night cant again. That's going to be an eight to hit. Not so much. Mm-hmm. Valor. I'm going to back off towards Snuggle Bottoms, and I'm going to send the boar back at the fanatic. So 16 plus 2, 18. That will hit. Here, Six. Since it's spent. And boar just leaps up and catches him with his tusk. <laughs> I'm going to hold back. I've taken enough hit points right now. Tentacly guy will attack the boar. Quite successfully. Uh, didn't quite do to that what it did to the lion, but uh, that boar is hurt. Tentacles wrap around it, and they twist, and they pop, and they tear, and then the boar wriggles loose. But there's a fair amount of blood, and he's got a little bit of a limp. Uh, we are too grum. Hey, let's see if the pain in my ribs will even let me stand up. I cannot. Down on the ground, writhing in agony. Murray. Excuse me. Mirror <sighs> I'm swinging at that black thing again. It's a 21. That... We'll hit. Destroy it. Uh, another nine. And that'll be everything. Rex. Uh, dagger attack. 16 plus dex. That will bite him. Plunge your dagger into the side of this faceless, horned, winged aberration. Five. And we are back to the night guns. Murray. Same. Natural one. Again, it regains its feet and it slips on the blood-soaked mud underneath it and takes a swipe at you, and its back leg slips out. <laughs> on the ground it goes. The other night gaunt. Two claw attacks at Talalor. Both bite hard. Ten hit points of slashing damage. And the fanatic, having taken a step back, casts... What does Sacred Flame do? Murray, make a deck save. Nineteen. Oh, yeah, he makes a hand gesture, and... You've seen Brax do this before. You just go ahead and take, you know, really just a half a step to the left, and then and then it flames up. And we are back to... I try to attack again. That's going to be a six. Even though my attack missed, I would still like to use my bonus attack and do a rally. Brax, that's going to be eight hit points. Eight hit points? Valro. I'm going to go after that night gaunt over there by Tylor and Brax, and take a swipe at that. You've got it surrounded. And actually you do have flanking on that, so 17. Oh, that will hit 5. And then you add 2d6 for your sneak attack. 6 4. Hell yeah. So 15, which brings us to Mr. Servitor, which I'm going to roll to see what he does. Everybody within 20 feet of the Servitor roll a wisdom saving throw. That is Mirmolnir and Grom. And Valril. That 20. 18. 23. 5. Valril, you experience disturbing hallucinations until the start of the servitor's next turn. I don't know what it is about the music that is coming out of that pipe. It's not like any music you've ever, ever heard, but there's imagery. All of a sudden you're taken. You are thrown back to the time in the Feywild when you tried to talk Brax out of that ridiculous situation that he was going to agree to. And then, all of a sudden, that thing sprouted horns and now it's attacking you. And no, that's not how it went. I, it's just strange, but regardless, you are incapacitated until the beginning of his next turn. Uh, that brings us to Grom. Well, I'll attempt to stand up again. And I can do an action this time. Half your movement brings you to your feet. You're kind of wedged between Pumbaa and Murray. Excuse me, Mirmolnir. 
Maserai next to that acolyte. But who wants the little fella? I'm gonna get next to that big gribbly bastard. Try to chop it. Now, what the hell? Raging out. And, uh, yeah, that's a miss. We were not ready for battle, guys. Playing around with our lions and dogs, like. You're my Alright, I'm attacking this thing that's currently sprawled out on the ground. 22. That will hit. That's 8 damage. Then I'm gonna expend my last key point, Fury of Blows. Best I can do with that one's a 10. And that one's a 17. That will hit. And 6 damage. You just pummel that thing on the ground. One of your strikes goes wide. This thing is surprisingly hardy. It's just taking your pummeling bracks. I'm going to cast Sacred Flames on it. So that's a dex saving throw. Feel. So that is six points. That is radiant damage, yep. That divine fire lands on its skin and it flares up. And here we go. Mirmalnir. Protective action. This claw comes in and all of a sudden this jagged bone weapon just interjects itself between you and the claw and you almost breathe a sigh of relief except the left hand comes in and hits you for five damage Tylalor, you've managed to sidestep two errant claw strikes the fanatic plunges his dagger into the boar for not quite enough and that brings us back to Tylalor. i'm gonna attack 16 that will hit oh good seven damage i'm gonna use my commander strike I think I'm going to do it to Valriel since he's in a good position to attack this thing in front of me. So I'm going to say, take another hit, Val. Will do. Ten. Does not hit. Shoot. Well, we tried. Valriel, it's your turn. That's a 13. You plunge your sword into the back and it drops to a knee. It stumbles, but it stands back up and it's ready to fight. Grum. Damn it, Knuckles, you haven't killed this thing yet. I'm just going to spin around and I'm going to try to go fling myself at it. And I can... Relentless attack. 14. 14 hits. Well, I'll be damned. 13 damage. Your hand axe bites in. Murray. Excuse me. Real mother. I'm taking a swing. 18, regardless. 9 damage. Alright. That is looking hurt. Rax. Sacred Flames. 16? Yeah, beats it. Grom, come some swings at you. You reckless attack before, correct? I yes. Do you take eight slashing damage? That's already halved. And then Valril, you take nine more damage of slashing. I'm at one. Oof. That fanatic plunges his dagger into the boar in front of him. And I'm so happy we had those animals. <laughs> We're back to Tylor. They've eaten up like sixty damage. There's still the mastiff, just saying. <laughs> Seven to hit. Mm-hmm. Valorant. I'm gonna go for that. Seventeen. That will hit. Fourteen. This is bloodied. It's you plunge your rapier into the perfect spot, and this black ooze just issues forth, and it stumbles, but then stands tall once more. But you are sure that one more strike is gonna finish him, Grom. Well, let's see what the dice say. How's my ribs holding up? It holds up just fine. Relentless attack on this thing. I'll put it down for you, Murray. And I put it down, I meant. You're ugly. Miss, miss. Murray. Excuse me. You're wonder. I'm taking a swing at this thing. Punch his nose. 22. That's another 9 damage. And then this says when you use an attack action with an unarmed strike or a monk weapon, 
you can make one unarmed strike as a bonus action. I really need to start reading that book a little more. 20, it's over 20. Like a fine, finish him. It's an eight. Seventy-eight, which is enough to drop that. It's about time we kill something. Finally. These knuckles are good for something other than breaking floors. <laughs> Rex. Well, I'm pretty sure I dropped my bow and I'm not gonna pick it up because it kicked me in action, but I'm gonna just I'm gonna lunge forward and stab this guy with my dagger again and try to. That is a nat 20! Kick his ass, sea bass. So that's five and the daggers eight. Eight damage. 76, 77, 78, which is enough to kill him. Dope. Hey, he tried to kill your horse and you killed him instead. Good job. Yeah, horse might still be dying, though. It's hard to say. The fanatic, ironically, has survived this one. <laughs> Stands up. You ruined it all. You ruined it all. He takes his dagger and plunges it into Murray's back for... I will do my... Protective fighting style. Uh, he unfortunately, with disadvantage, still plunges his dagger into Murray's back for four damage. <sighs> I'm still alive. <laughs> I'm still standing. That brings us to Tyler. Lord. All right. So as I see this thing drop in front of me, I'm gonna turn and try and get over to the tentacle beast thing and attack it. Let's get rid of this shit. That's gonna be a 20 to hit. That will hit. That's gonna be 5 damage. Your sword slices off several tentacles. It's hanging there. Tentacles laying on the ground. Ineffectual black ichor oozing off of its existence. You don't know the anatomy of this thing, but you are fairly certain it is on its last legs. Now, is the fanatic and the creature within five feet of each other? I would say so. Then I'd like to do my sweeping attack, which means that when you hit a creature with a melee weapon attack, you can expend one superiority die to attempt to damage another creature with the same attack. It takes damage equal to the number you roll on the superiority. Okay, so, yep, so roll that superiority die. Hopefully it's bigger than a five. It's a two. <laughs> Ow! Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send the Mastiff after the Tentacle Beast. 13. Ooh, a 13 does not hit. Mastiff latches his teeth into the rubbery flesh of the thing, but the skin is just a little bit too strong. Its teeth do not quite bite in. That was your bonus action. What would you like to do? I feel like I'm probably retreat back towards the wagon, only having one health, so trying to get away. I help take down one creature. <laughs> Given the fact that the Mastiff just bit into the Servitor, ooh, ooh, those last two tentacles wrap up that Mastiff and just... Then there is Red Mist, and... Which brings us to Grom. Well, I wasn't going to fight the big monster, but that bastard just called my wife a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if I can do anything. I can. I'm going to jump onto him and I'm going to bite his face. <laughs> Reckless attack. Ah, uh, that'll be a 21. That will hit. Nine damage. <laughs> and try to tear his throat out. Uh, you do a good job, but uh, he's gurgling at this point. <laughs> Say it again! <laughs> That's it for me. Murray. Excuse me. Mirror near. 
I'm running over to that tentacle thing and I'm just swinging. That's a 10. Nope, that's a, that doesn't quite land. I'm gonna swing my bonus action at him. Uh, and that's a 15. That will land mushroom stamp and all. That's nine damage. You run over there and you swing and you whiff and you realize like, oh, oh he's a little bit higher. And so you jump up and how do you want to do this? I'm going full fists above the head, straight down. You blast it right into the forehead. It's tentacle holding a little broken flute off to the side and right into the ground. And you follow through with your body weight and you know that this thing is dead and is no longer a threat. Rex. So Richter actively a little bit. Now I kind of knew that Toothy was hurt, but did I see how much his ribs were impeding him during this battle? I don't know, retroactive perception. All right. Like, I see him fall down and not be able to get up, holding his side and stuff. So, uh, 13 plus 3 plus 2. Yeah, he would notice. I'm going to just run up behind you. I'm going to touch you and cast Cure Wounds. And I'm targeting your ribs. Like, I want to grab onto your ribs and just cast Cure Wounds onto it. The hit points that the magical healing provide serve to mend... Knit the bone. Mend the bones. Well, it won't have to roll around over here anymore. I can finish chewing this dude's face off. So, nine? Your ribs are clean. But I don't know how good I feel about all that. Everybody else is beat to shit and I'm at full health. Guess that's what I get for sitting out. It's the fanatic's turn. He stands up. He's taking steps backward. He says, <laughs> You ruined. I will be with him. I will be with him. And he takes his dagger and he draws it across his throat for four hit points of damage. And he slit his throat and he took a step towards the portal and he collapses right in front of it. And that will take us out of combat. That's kind of a dissatisfying end. Satisfying for me. I was almost done for. I'm going to immediately grab his body and start dragging it away from the portal. I'd be looking back and make sure that V's actually alive, but then I just run straight to that tree and just casting sacred flames over and over, trying to just destroy that tree. You're not gaining too much headway. You're wishing it was fire proper to try to break that tree down, but you start to realize that, no, this portal, this it's just here. It might not necessarily be part of the tree. As the adrenaline of combat wears off, I double over as the many slash wounds across my body become very apparent to me and I stand up and I just start limping my way back to the cart after seeing that the tree's not going to start burning down I would kind of go over to Valriel and if I can do any kind of medicine check on him try to patch him up any way I can medicine Uh, 23 you're confident that uh, he's not going to keel over dead anytime soon as I see Mermelnir start to limp away I go oh Mermelnir I have a potion. Uh, I'll take that. That'd be great. After I see that Valriel's not going to die, but I heard one second, but I run over the horse. I'm going to do another medicine check on him if I can. Roll another one. Oh, that one's a lot worse. 11. You're confident that the horse is not going to die immediately, but at the same time, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Just out of curiosity, what were you at? One. I see you both were at one hit. Wow. <laughs> You almost lost both the Dragonborns. <laughs> this does happen to be a rough campaign for Dragonborns. <laughs> throwing that out there. Well, once I drag this corpse away from this portal, what's the portal look like? It's a bunch of eyes and everything just like cycling it through. They're all a certain shade of yellow. The pupils. Uh, some are cat-shaped, some are regular-shaped, some are goat-shaped. It's interesting. You could get lost in it if you'd stared at it too hard. Hey, Brax. Yeah, what's that? I think you could shoot one of those eyes when it pops up. 
I'll sure try. I'll grab my bow and steady a shot. I want to step over to the side of the portal here and ready my axe. Right after he shoots it, I want to try to chop into it. 16 plus 7. You are confident that you have a bead on this eye. You wait. That one's a little different. Oh, nope, they're different. But they're still coming up in the same spot. You loose. And right as your arrow is set to penetrate, you're sure your shot is true. But right as your arrow reaches the point of impact, the eye disappears. Your arrow disappears. I chopped at the same time as the arrow was going. I rolled an 18. Let's see what happens with this. All right. Even with an 18, that eye disappears. Right. But does my weapon disappear? I was chopping into it. Grom, you swing your hand axe into it as the arrow sinks in, the eye disappears, and your hand disappears into the portal, and you feel something wrap around your wrist and coil up your forearm and pull. And I would like you to make a strength saving throw. All right, let's try this out. Uh, that would be an 18. As you swing in, and that whatever force wraps up your forearm, you feel pressure applied on your wrist to the point where you almost are forced to let go of that weapon. But with an 18, you double down and you think back to your past and you think what that weapon means to you and the memories and you grip it fiercely and you decide that no, if it's taking your weapon, it's taking you. And you wrench and you pull and then you pull it back out of the portal and you're standing there. Holding your weapon. Ha! <laughs> uh, well, I don't know what to do with this. Neither do I, but it would just uh, start a fire and try to burn it down. It just seems like it's not really in that tree, though. It's just like floating near it. Well, My I wish that a lion never cross was crossing right now. I feel like she'd have a toy for this. Anybody got any ideas about how to uh, take care of this thing? No. I would suggest not putting your arm into it again. Well, that's got the name of my wife and my child on it. I'll be damned if I let go of them again. And I'm going to start looking around for some loose wooden debris. Let's burn this bitch down. I'm going to put my hands together. And I'm going to bow my head and I'm just going to, in draconic, mutter out, Kasodros, close this gate and see if I get anything. Roll me a D100. It's oh, a four. double zeros and a four. Oh, yeah, I got oh. a four. Is your faith strong enough? Is your god alive? So I'm going to roll a couple dice to see how things are going on Kusodros' side of things. Okay. Kusodros, see regular, shafer, wooks, ekes, trelk, nomeno, fesai. Mirmelnir steps up to the portal, speaks his words in Draconic, and then there is a pause. And just when you think that nothing is going to happen, there's a shift. And the land shifts slightly. It could be an earthquake. It could be something heavy approaching. And then off to the other side of the road, opposite of the portal, a spring 
bursts forth and a small stream makes its way downhill as water is wont to do. You all ponder that for a moment. It's interesting, that's strange. Streams just don't appear and then the stream is now flowing in the road. The stream is now flowing to the right of the road, closer to the portal. And now the stream is flowing to the portal. And right as this little mini river reaches the portal, small waterborne liquid tentacles reach forth and they start probing, not going through. And then with a flurry of motion, they have found their goal. And they reach up and they encompass this portal. They encase it in this writhing, watery mass. And then almost with a heartbeat, it starts shrinking in the portal. It's not maintaining its size. Whatever has it subsumed, whatever has it surrounded, is shrinking it. And then it reaches almost the size of a melon, and they start writhing, and they twist, and then down to nothing. And then it's almost as if whatever surface tension was making these tentacles exist dissolves in the water falls, and the portal is gone. And Mirmelnir, you hear. This has been Bedlam Social Hour, a D&D podcast, a Peace in the Chaos production. A website is currently in the works, but for now you can find us over at www.patreon.com slash bedlam's social hour. Again, thanks to Darren Benton and Mansik Yam for their artwork that inspires creativity. We hope you join us next time, and as always, work hard and be kind. curious what I actually said is, Ksodros, I call on you to close this gate. It looks like when we're rolling our attack rolls, not only do we add our ability modifiers, but we also add our plus two proficiency bonuses. So I would have a plus seven. D&D! It's D&D! <laughs>